I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. This episode is brought to you by Fiamma Pizza e Vino, located on Buffalo Road in Gates, and their new location, Fiamma Centro, located on Elton Street in the neighborhood of the arts. Fiamma is a great place to check out Neapolitan Pizza right here in Rochester. The original location is fantastic, and the new location has an amazing design that really suits the neighborhood of the arts. So go check out some fantastic pizza at Fiamma Pizza e Vino on Buffalo Road in Gates, or their new location, Fiamma Centro, located on Elton Street in the neighborhood of the arts. In episode 61 of the Food About Town podcast, I talked with three people about geekery, nerdery, and all sorts of fun sci-fi and food nerd things. So in the studio, we had Chelsea Flint, who's aka Chela on Twitter and Instagram. We had Emily Hesney, who's part of iHeartROC. And we also had my buddy from Boston, Brian Chu, who has no social medias that you really care about. So <laughs> he, uh, he came in from Boston for Thanksgiving, and we had a great time talking through you know geek nerd stuff, trying to tighten into food a little bit here and there. He kind of gave up on that for a while, but I, we, we had a great time. And at the end, we did go into some food, uh, some food tech and some other stuff like that. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do, share it out on social media. You know, uh, tie in Chelsea and Emily too. Let them know you listen to this one. So my Instagram is at Stromy, same as my Twitter. You can also share it at Feed About Town on Facebook. Thanks for listening. All right, so so we're, we're we're starting and and hold on, we're making noises. Ready? Let's let's see if this I happens. I don't know if my arms are long enough for this. <laughs> hold a... on. Cheers! Cheers! All right, that's pretty good. And wait, we're gonna we're gonna try this right in front of one of the microphones and see oh, if we can get the noise. Ready? Oh, that was nice. So uh, that's a slightly be a awkward. Foley artist on the side there. Yeah, I'm not sure what that would be other than glasses clinking though. <laughs> we need to have like multiple uses for it to be true Foley art. That's tasty. Yeah. So let's 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 start. We've actually started recording and this will be on the podcast. <laughs> so um, the idea behind this was I was talking with people on Twitter and we we're starting to talk about nerd topics and we're gonna try us. Tr- no. us? Oh, yeah, never. shocking, right? So I brought some people in. Uh, one of the people could not be here, so we're gonna pour some out on the carpet for him after we say who it is. I'm pouring mine into my mouth. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> So, yeah, so we're, we're, let's do some introductions. So to my left. My name is Chelsea. You might know me on Twitter as AKA Chela. Uh, that's my personal account. I also do social media and web for Channel 8. Please so, don't hurt me. Yeah, so we're talking about nerd topics. 
why are you a nerd? Uh, oh, well, let's see. In the let's beginning. Put, let's put the big ones out there and we'll get into all <laughs> Um, uh, when I was growing up, every Wednesday night was V'ger night because we watched Star Trek Voyager as a family. Nice. Um, I had two older brothers, so basically I idolized them and I spent most of my childhood in their bedroom sorting through the giant bin of Legos under their bed. I can, it's, it's, it gets so nostalgic whenever you go to the Lego store and just start rummaging through the bin. You hear like that <laughs> as you search for the right piece. Um, and I played video games. They would sit me in front of the computer. I was playing like Diablo at age six. Um, so I like to think of myself as an OG nerd. I like it. Yeah. I like it. And there's plenty more to get into. Oh yeah. So that's, uh, I was a computer science major in college, so there, well, it, it never changed. Yeah, that's legit. Yep. So we're going to pass it over to across the table for me. My name is Emily. I am serve me the sky on Twitter. You might know me from my involvement with iHeartRock. And I'm also now working for a local nonprofit called High Tech Rochester. So why are you a nerd or geek? It probably started with Harry Potter when I was in second or third grade. See, kind Harry Potter's a, Harry Potter's drug. a good one. Yeah, we're, we'll definitely get into that a little bit. And more recently, I've been pretty into Stephen King. The Dark Tower series is one of my new favorites. Nice. This year, I caught up on my nerding and read all of Lord of the Rings since I hadn't, and I was going on a trip to New Zealand. Fantastic. And to my right. Hi, my name's Brian, and I'm not a social media maven or anything like that. <laughs> I'm just here to visit from Boston. Go Sox. <laughs> it's okay. They, and I'm here just to enjoy myself and see how this is all done. Okay, so so what, what makes you a nerd or geek? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm quite, about to be building my own PC again, so nice. there's that. Uh, I've been... Building Legos for probably, well, how old am I now? 33, so yeah. maybe 20 years or so plus. And Star Wars, you can basically remember everything except, you know, the first two. They don't, they don't count. Yeah. Yeah, no. Agreed. I don't know what you're talking about. There's, <laughs> There's only... <laughs> There's only a few Star Wars movies. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like four, I think? Yeah, and I, yeah, I, think, I think also, yeah, so, so yeah, and I'll, I'll do actually my introduction. I don't usually introduce myself now, but... Chris Lindstrom at Stromy on Facebook, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm the host of this fantastic podcast and award-winning podcast. Oh yeah, thank you, humble brag. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> um, and my nerdery and geekery runs deep and widely ranged. I'm a radio ne- I'm a radio nerd. I was like ham radio. <laughs> oh god, that would be even worse. <laughs> but radio podcast nerd. Um, when I was a kid, I could locate any next generation episode from the intro session oh man which was was fantastic i'm a huge cartoon nerd um simpsons Simpsons is huge um simpsons and modern cartoons i continue to be a cartoon nerd and i I just love i love going deep on anything so this is this these kind of topics always intrigued me (laughs) no 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 pulling away from the microphone and laughing at me (laughs) This this is unacceptable. No, you Mr. have to laugh into the microphone. Yeah, exactly. You're you're allowed to laugh at double entendre and things. I didn't want to spit into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we didn't really plan this out, but the idea was to talk about food a little bit in the context of these nerd things. So I got, let's let's start with Harry Potter because one, that's one I got into a while back. Um, yeah, I think that was Harry Potter was probably my first like fandom. Like I watched Star Trek growing up, but Harry Potter was the first one where I was obsessed. Yeah. See, for me, it, it was obviously a little later because I, I started reading them when I was in college. And I was definitely one of those people that read all the books again before the new one came out. 
I don't oh, know yeah. if you guys did that. Uh, I actually haven't read Cursed Child yet, which I know is blasphemy. Um, I heard really mixed reviews, and I, I I think I got a little like scared that it would ruin Harry Potter for me. So I was I've been kind of holding <laughs> off, but I've been hearing really good things about the new movie. So that's exciting. I'm excited to see that. Because I think one of my biggest complaints about Harry Potter is it's one of the few things that doesn't really have an extended universe. Um, I feel like, you know, it's okay to make like Star Trek and Star Wars, like books and comics and, and animated shows and all that. And then you get to Harry Potter and it's like, well, it's these seven books. And if you try to do anything separate, like, you know, I mean, they have Pottermore now, but people get so whenever J.K. Rowling like releases new details of the world, they're like, that's not in the original books. Why are you doing this? And it's like, well, because she's creating an extended universe every sci-fi or fantasy fandom has that extended universe and she's just trying to like flesh it out a little bit so i don't mind that sort of stuff um i would like to see more visual stuff which i know is blasphemy when it started with the books but yeah um, i saw like somebody made this fan uh, i don't think i think they actually scripted it and like acted it out themselves it wasn't cut from other material or they it was either that or they cut it from an existing tv show i honestly don't remember um, but it was a YouTube trailer that somebody made for a hypothetical TV series that would be like a dr- gritty crime drama, but it would have horrors and it would be like a magical crime drama. And I was like, I would watch the shit out of this. Yeah, like, that sounds dope. amazing. Yeah, so that's the sort of stuff I want from Harry Potter. Is I want, and that's why I'm excited about Fantastic Beasts. Is like completely separate stories with new characters that take place in the same universe. You you want the Marvelification yes, of Harry yes. Potter? Yes, I want the Harry Potter cinematic I'm okay with universe. of it. Yeah, I'm into Fantastic Beasts, but I don't know if we need five of them. That's true. It's a uh, little th- excessive. See, and that's where I like kind of what they're doing with um, Star Wars is they're alternating the sequel movies with like backstory movies or like <clears throat> kind of one-off things. Like I think that's a good formula for squeezing as much money out of consumers as possible without dragging out the storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind leveraging money, but at some point, I mean, I I definitely stopped caring about it as much. I haven't gotten back to read the newest book. Mm-hmm. It was kind. I kind of burn hot on things and then I sort of fall off as yep. as I go along. Um, but what I do remember is there were plenty of food member food mentions in yes. the books. I mean everybody knows the butter beer thing. That was that was a huge part of the books. I mean multiple there was, people have given me the Harry Potter cookbook for Christmas. I think I've received three copies of it. <laughs> really? So it how, has some good recipes. Like I've made their butter beer and the pumpkin pasties, but yeah. that's about it. I haven't that deep that's in. right pumpkin juice and butterbeer mm-hmm. and the pumpkin juice at the theme park is amazing if you ever go down there so i did i did go down there and we were down uh down for a disney visit and we did the we did the harry potter win because my my parents are big fans and we went over and i like the theming I don't know if you. I'm assuming. I, I went about three years ago. I went before they opened um, the Hogwarts Express, so I went when it was just Hogsmeade, I think, or it was kind of like a mishmash of the two, really. Yeah, and that, that's about when I went as well. It was before the roller coaster opened. Um, I liked. I liked the theming. I thought the theming was great. Oh yeah, I walked in the gate and like started crying almost. It's very emotional for the kids that are so nostalgic yeah. about it, like us, yeah. you know, grown ups going back and being like, "Oh my god, I'm in Harry Potter." Well, and for me, I have like a really personal connection to Harry Potter because um the height of when I got into it was when I was living in California and I was bullied a lot and um towards the end of our time there I was actually homeschooled and didn't really talk to anyone like I knew a couple kids through 4-H but I didn't really have any other friends um so I got really into Harry Potter because that was like my escape uh and my mom took me to see because I was being homeschooled she took me to see the first movie as a literary field trip and then every year after that she'd let me skip school to go see the movie on opening day until I was old enough to go to the midnight releases. 
Um, and I literally just, you know, I would just involve myself in the world of these books. And I identified a lot with Hermione with the whole like being bullied and not really, you know, fitting in. Um, so I went to go see Harry Potter world and just saw Hogwarts in front of me and was like, yep, all this childhood just came rushing back. I'm going to freak <laughs> out now. <laughs> all at once. Yeah. Um, I just saw the RPO do a Harry Potter concert about a week ago and they only played two songs from Harry Potter, but it was still fantastic. And they had crafts for children beforehand. So all these little kids had little <laughs> wands in the audience and little owls they made. It was adorable. That is adorable. That's awesome. Um, and I did, I did try that down and tried the butterbeer and the pumpkin juice while I was down there. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because you have such, you know, when you read the books and let's, let's just put that line in the sand right now, as much as Chelsea likes visual media. Um, Sorry, I was a film major. Let's, let's just say the books are always better than the movies in just about every case that's ever been. Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) Well, because the movies just have to cut so much out. Yeah. And when you're, when you love the details and the little stuff, it's hard to get away from that Mm -hmm. because they paint such a vivid picture of of pumpkin juice and butterbeer and all the food. And, you know, since all the things were done at the tables, you know, they paint such a vivid picture of it that it's, it's kind of hard to get away and actually try it when somebody makes it. Cause then it's like, Oh, it's just butterscotch soda. Got it. Yeah. You and then you walk away. Well, you mean impossible. Basically. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're using your imagination to basically imitate flavor. Yeah. And, Although I do remember when I was in high school, me and my friends, like, you know, a lot of it is British dishes that you don't really see in America. So me and my friends went to Wegmans and bought, like, I think we bought, like, canned treacle or something Ooh, before treacle, the um, yeah. before the seventh movie and we tried it. So um, for us, it was kind of like, let's try all these weird British dishes. And then some of them, as soon as we Googled them and found out what they were, we're like, yeah, let's not try these. <laughs> It's like if you eat at the three broomsticks in the park, it's all just British pub food, but yep. like not done well and done in a fast food American style. Yeah. It's like, oh, and the I'm other glad thing, I tried this. The other thing about the park for me was like they have the fake snow on the roof and we went oh, on yeah. one of the hottest days ever. So you see all this fake snow and you're wearing a tank top and it's 90 degrees and you're just surrounded by like angry Florida tourists. And I was like, this is a little bit of a mental disconnect. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely felt more comfortable in my tank top on the hot day when I was down there, too. So uh, <laughs> don't shake your head. <laughs> See, th- th- this is why I brought you on was just to laugh at me and shake your head. Thanks, Keep you Brian. in your place. Yeah. <laughs> head mic. I um, was there in January and went to the new Hogsmeade section. Yeah. I, that's the or one, I think right? the Diagon Alley is Diagon the new one, I think. Yeah. I'm a Harry Potter fan, I swear. <laughs> um, but I bought a chocolate frog. It was friggin' huge. Oh, yeah. And it came with like a cool chocolate frog card, and it was really good chocolate. It took me like four days to eat it all. So that's awesome. I had it was like, pretty cool. I had the best guy cash me out when I bought I bought a Time Turner necklace at Dervish and Bangs. And first of all, like your receipt prints out and it says like Dervish and Bangs, and that's what shows up on your credit Orlando, card. Statement. Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so that you ignore that part, but I'm like, oh my God. And the guy made it feel so like immersive and real, which was great. So he, first of all, you know, on the their name tags it says where they're all from yeah um i don't know how he got away with this but his name tag said he was from gallifrey which if you're a doctor who that's fan awesome. you will recognize that that's where the doctor's from so i was like you're amazing um and because it was 90 degrees i asked him i was like how do you stand wearing these hot or these robes on a hot day and he's like oh man if i was outside i would just want to crucio somebody and he just <laughs> oh, like he got wow. super into it that's like awesome. i collect shot glasses so i asked him if they had any shot glasses and he turns and points at the pint glasses and he's like i'm a f- sorry i'm afraid we only have hagrid size ones <laughs> so he like really helped me make the whole thing really immersive and he clearly just loved his job he's like i work in freaking hogsmeade this is amazing and it was fantastic see that that's the problem for me i i get really into it and i i actively and unabashedly enjoy the stuff Mm -hmm. 
when it starts getting into Renaissance fair like things, <laughs> we're like, oh no, this is the olden days. I'm like, no, no, it's not. Just, just I, I, I don't suspend disbelief when it comes to real life. I'll suspend disbelief in the movies, in the books, mm-hmm. in just about anything. I'm, but not I'm when you're standing like in front that. of me. I'm kind of like that, but he did it so well that it just felt like I can see what you mean by like Renaissance fairish. But for whatever reason, with him, it just felt like. This is a guy who really enjoys his job. And that's fair. There, there is a fine line between that. It's great for little kids, too. Like, yeah. I read a really oh, great absolutely. article about some kid that had a wonderful experience there, you know. Yeah. Um, that was I do... a very good story. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the link. Yeah. I do I do have to note that the, the immersive 3D ride where it puts you on an articulating arm and with the curved screens... That made me as sick as I've ever been on See, a ride before. I didn't ride that because I thought it, I didn't realize that it was more like a simulation ride and less a roller coaster. And I don't like roller coasters, so I didn't ride it. And then I had a friend who was like, "No, I if you like, he was like, I hate roller coasters, but it's awesome because it just kind of like swoops you. It doesn't drop you. Right. But I have heard it's like those three D rides. You can get really really sick because yeah. you don't. We you went feel so, so close to the opening that we actually got stuck under the Whomping Willow. <gasps> Our arm. Was stuck with the fist in our face for oh about twenty God. minutes, and then they just turned the lights on and they cranked you out of there, so you got to see like all the back end of it. It was kind of cool. See, I would actually like that. Yeah, yeah, because that 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 ride made me sick, and surprisingly, the one that also did in that park because I never fully recovered that day was the Dr. Seuss cart ride. Oh my God, the really it, gentle kids roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, no, it's the one like it's like the Winnie the Pooh ride in Disney. Who are yeah. You? <laughs> But it, it was on a track and it went too fast and it was jarring back and forth oh, all yeah. the time. Because it's oh. Dr. Seuss, so it like whips you back and forth. It doesn't. I don't think it spins, but it like yanks you around because it's supposed to be wacky and Dr. Seussy. Yeah, exactly. And I, was I just, think it, yeah, if you're already feeling sick, that's yeah. just gonna do you. And in. I was gonna fill a you know cat in the hat with vomit or something if it kept <laughs> on doing it too much, but didn't quite get that far, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> So I will not throw up, Sam. I am. <laughs> I will not throw up in a box. I will not throw up with a fox. Yeah, definitely not on socks either. <laughs> None of that. Um, so Harry Potter, that was that was a big one. Um, we talked about Star Trek. Yes. Because Star Trek was big for me when I was a kid. And there was a ton of food and drink stuff mentioned in Star Trek oh, yeah. all the time. Uh, especially, I know you mentioned Next Generation, one of my favorite characters, um, and I'm I always mispronounce her name thanks to my roster accent, but Guinan? Guinan. Guinan. I'm just going to blame it on my Rochester accent. That's what I blame everything on. Yeah, that, that's on. huge. Yeah. Um, Guinan was one of my favorite characters because she was, uh, you know, I don't know. It was just, she was the cool bartender that ran 10 forward and like put data and wharf in their places <laughs> basically. And, you know, she was just the bartender, but she was the one that everyone on the ship went to for advice. And she was just, but I think the scenes in 10 forward were some of my favorite because of her and because it's where you got to see him like let loose a little bit. Yeah, even though it was fake alcohol. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which I mean, what kind of bullshit is that? Well, I they're the whole nonsense. I mean, they're always on. They're always working. They live on the spaceship. You can't get drunk and have to like evade, uh, do evasive maneuvers or something. Yeah, because nobody here has ever drank on duty before. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, so yeah, I mean, I always I always love that, and they really had they really did a good job of putting the weird. And odd foods. Yes. I mean, with the Klingon food and the, you know, the gach and the worms and things. Oh, it was fantastic. Yep. The visuals were great. Um, that and the, 
what Romulan ale that was green mm-hmm. and all all that kind of stuff. I thought they did a great job. And using the holodeck to you know go back to um, French cafes in modern time, or you know a, a ca- uh, um, where do, um, what shoot what is it? Um, Data went to that like stand up lounge or something and oh, started geez. trying to perform comedy. That's right. <laughs> oh, there's so many bad episodes I know. of that show. Well, I mean, with the sheer volume, they're not all going to be winners. No, that's true. They're, they're, is that a David Pumpkins reference? No, but now it is. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's a hundred floors. They can't all be winners. <laughs> well, I suppose that's another good one. I mean, we're so we're we're just gonna go through nerdery things and kind of tangentially talk about food because at this point it's uh, we'll just I'm mention food it. once every minute. So. Yeah, exactly. So um, stand up comedy nerds. I mean, I yes. I know we've got. I know Chelsea's a big comedy nerd. I've actually kind of like I've toyed for like a year with the idea of trying stand up comedy, but I'm too chicken shit to actually get up on stage and do it. Well, I mean, I've always loved it. I'm I'm one of those obsessive. I love all the New York. Oh, comedians. I drove to New York City for a weekend just to see Mike Birbiglio show. Like left on Saturday morning, got there, ate, went to the show, turned around and left the next day. I'm we aware- crammed five people into a hotel room. Yeah, and I'm I'm aware of your Mike Burbiglia Burbiglia <laughs> fandom. Just call him Mike B. Mike B. Yeah, Mike yo B. Mike B. B. So I, I I went to see his most recent movie, and there was a panel after. Oh right, yeah. yeah. And this uh, this chick, this really cool chick, who's a Mike Burbiglia super fan, was speaking on it. That was yeah, me. yeah. Wait, wait to be on another podcast. <laughs> Good job. I'm just gonna make the rounds. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you have a podcast, hit me up. Yeah. So I know I know. Brian and I, we, we love bad comedy movies. Oh, yeah. The, you mean the bad 90s movies? Oh, the yeah. Bad the bad 2000s movies? The real bad comedy movies? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Like what? What are a couple of them? Oh, jeez. There's some really... What are the, some of the bad ones we used to watch all the time? You I mean, Joe... Our buddy Joe is the biggest bad comedy mm-hmm. fan. Like, what was it? Run, Ronnie, Run, which was just one of the worst movies ever made. I had not even heard oh, of that it's, one. Oh, it's a David Cross one. movie. From like 2004. Oh, God. It's so bad. <laughs> um, I like um, unintentionally funny movies. So I really like the sci-fi, um, like made-for-TV disaster movies. I throw a Sharknado party every year. I like the ones where it's not intended to be funny, but it is because it's just so bad. So basically anything that's on sci-fi with a cool with a cool or weird name? Yes. Sharktopus. Yes. Or yeah, like Sharktopus. A, um, there's this one that I really like that's... Um, Shoot, what is it called? Uh, oh my god, how am I blanking? I, mean, I love Sea Beast. Mega Shark um, versus Mecha Shark. No, sea Beast is, was great. This one is about it, it has. If you know the guy who was the helicopter pilot in Lost, he stars in it, and it was about the Earth's polar caps flip, and uh, causing the polar caps to become tropical in the center of the Earth to become the uh, the equator becomes like the ice. It's all iced over. Ooh, but that's highly scientific. But bef- oh, it's yeah. super scientific. Absolutely. But before that happens. Everywhere on Earth drops down to absolute zero. And so they have to get to the scientist <laughs> absolute zero proof lab. Actually, I think that's what it was called was absolute zero. Uh, and well, um, it should be. The, the special effects were so bad. There's one scene where a car flies away and it looks like they literally like took a picture of a car on a popsicle stick and held it in front of the camera and then just like <laughs> flung it away. It's, oh, I think it's I did so one of those bad. things in sixth grade. Yeah, that's that's what it looks like. Is like your little science class diorama. Yeah, and then every so often you get the big budget blockbuster like the Core, the Day After Tomorrow, where they they somehow manage to fool a major studio into making a horrible movie, making a sci fi channel movie <laughs> for <World>. two hundred. <laughs> oh, my wife still loves that, but she's she's such a Jurassic Chris Park Pratt fan. Yeah, is he very was, fit. He was very good in that movie. Yes, he's a dreamboat. Um. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just I monopolized the conversation. No, no, and then um. 
the uh, Mystery Science Theater, um, oh, some of those great. classics. Those um, my favorite being Manos, The Hands of Fate, which is, it has to be one of the worst movies. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. I've heard of, I haven't watched it, but I've heard that that's one of the, the oh, really bad ones. It's so notably bad. And it's, it's, it's so poorly acted. I mean, it's not, it's bad in a very different way than The Room is bad. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen uh, Miami Connection? No. It's I last I checked it was on Netflix because that's where I watched it, but it's this it was this 80s movie that was basically was lost to the sands of time. It's a kung fu movie that this guy like spent his entire life savings making as a pet project and then it he released it and it got just thoroughly mocked and ridiculed. Um, and it was lost until the Alamo Draft House found the reels of it and um, restored them and digitized it and they put it on Netflix. And it is, um, it's a Kung Fu movie, but it's about this, like, it's this ragtag group of, like, Kung Fu people. And there's, like, the one guy is trying to, f- is like, the black guy is looking for his dad, which is stereotypical. And then they're in a band <laughs> and they sing, uh, they survive? sing a song called, like, <laughs> yes, he did, he did survive. But yeah. they're, like, also, Broke the stereotype. they're in a band and they're... <laughs> They're trying to uh, simultaneously like find this guy's dad and get the girl while they're singing songs about um, like friendship being magic. Oh, and, yeah, it definitely um, is. Yeah, and then what also trying uh, Miami connection, and then they're also trying to break up like a cocaine ring in town. There's a lot of plots going on yeah, for these... like a forty minute movie. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds fantastic. Oh, it is amazing. I highly recommend you go watch it because it's very short and the songs are like... Oh, you know there's how, songs Oh, too. yes. They actually perform the songs. Like, there's a whole scene where they perform this song about friendship um, and it's like... It's like, you know how with, in South Park they would make parodies of songs with ridiculous lyrics? It sounds like mm-hmm. that. It is amazing. Ooh, yeah, so... And bad, bad movies... Um, I gotta catch up with you guys. Jesus, I'm still on my meat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, start, we're starting to roll now. We'll, we'll get in. We'll get into food, actual true food nerdery in a little bit, because we're we're going through our general nerdery stuff now, and then we'll actually get into food and beverage nerdery because that's where that's where my buddy Brian's going to come in because we're this is like all we chat about is well, you mean, you mean the stuff that's actually acceptable in the public? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So food. Why? What are you guys like spirit cooking or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we tend to banter a little bit, and it's probably a little more blue than is. Best for publication, as we're yeah, talking, most likely. Yeah, yeah. You did just win that award, by the way. So you can't, you can't be. They can take that away eventually. Oh, they can take that away from. Oh, me? whatever. They let anybody run for that. Yeah. <laughs> cough, cough. <laughs> did you yeah. know that you can just tell all your friends to vote for you, and you might find yourself in the competition for three years in a row? <laughs> it's shocking. It's shocking. Um, One day. <laughs> One day. Oh yeah, you're you're. You're gonna be all over that. Yeah, but now I'm the underdog, so I've got oh. that going for me. Yeah. See now, now you're. 2017 you're, is your year. It is. So now you're what? Uh, what oh, what's that terrible? 2016 was a bad year. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there was. Now, we're talking about we're talking about random nerdery stuff. What other kind of movie nerdery do you guys have? Like Emily, is there a certain kind of movies that you're obsessed with? Anything? <laughs> now, I'm putting you on the spot. I Anything? don't watch nearly as many movies as I should. I read far more books than movies so so what what's your what's your current nerdery thing other than i mean you mentioned stephen king it was the summer of hamilton that's for sure i don't know if anyone here is a hamilton fan i was pretty hardcore i never was able to get into it no yeah it's it's, 
so I'm not a musical theater person though. Like, I was a history major, and okay. my favorite TV show as a kid was Liberty's Kids. I okay. don't know if you guys watched that cartoon. No, but I remember it was a PBS one, wasn't it? There was a little French boy named Henri and an American boy named James and a girl named Sarah, and they were all really good friends. And they helped Ben Franklin write a newspaper. <laughs> and I had the video game. It was the only video game I was allowed to have. <laughs> yeah, Ben you Franklin is cool. Ben Franklin wasn't in a lot of video games. <laughs> yeah, um, really. You would go around and ask people the five W's, who, what, where, when, why, and Ooh. then you'd write a story for Ben. <laughs> it was really fun. There's, it's oh, very geez. educational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's it's, why it's it the only video game she was allowed to have. Like a video game. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was 13 playing Grand Theft Auto with my brother. My dad pops his head in and is like, Brian, will you stop playing Eddie Izzard? He says the fuck word too many times. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, my brother, not this Brian. Um, I, but he still It would certainly it. be applicable. Yes. There are many of us. Yeah. Um... And I, I do have to say, I mean, when it comes to Stephen King, I've got some of his books on my shelf over there. Um, I definitely got pretty heavy into his stuff for a while. I was, I've gone through, I'd say at least three quarters of the catalog, trying to go through all the ones that I always heard of, and trying to be. I'm kind of an obsessive completist, which is really my most. <laughs> that's nerdery. a very nerdy feature. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's probably. Have my you biggest. read the Dark Tower books? I haven't. So I, I knew that was that was sort of a slippery slope down when mm-hmm. it comes to. Um, it's worth it. So worth it. A slippery slope downward when it comes to another series I wanted, I was going to get into. Um, but most of his stuff, I, I really enjoy the, again, it's attention to detail. It's the plot development. It's the character development and also the way too many pages. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One my of my f- good friends has tattoo sleeves that are all Stephen King inspired. And he has seven or eight tattoos from the Dark Tower books. Holy he wow. even has the number 19 inside his lip because it's a significant number in the books. Yeah, wow. but that sounds really painful. Yeah. But his whole left arm is like the Dark Tower and the main character, Roland, standing in front of it. It's really cool. Wow. And there's a movie coming out with Idris Elba. Idris Elba? I never say it right. I, I, think, it's, I think it's Idris I think Elba. it is Idris. Idris. Yeah. yeah. But that's going to be amazing. I'm stoked. Yeah, he's he's very well regarded. I, I haven't seen The Wire, which is, I feel One bad about. No, I haven't seen that either. One of the best either. series ever. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think definitely when it comes to TV nerdery, I mean, you've you've gone in pretty so, deep into some of that stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, any, any of the really good TV series like Band of Brothers, uh, The Wire... Uh, not some of the more mainstream shows. Well, you you did Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Oh, Breaking Bad. You know, I did that. In I a week. Uh, I was actually staying at Disney World when the I think it was the first. It wasn't the finale. At least I don't think it was the finale. But it was either a couple episodes before the finale, or it was the first episode of the end of the season. Because you know how they like split the seasons. And I was at Disney World, and my parents had started watching, but they weren't caught up to broadcast yet. Um, so I was like. I don't care what you do. You can sit here and have it spoiled for you, but I'm going to be watching this in the room. You can go hang out at the bar for an hour and I'll come join you or, you know, whatever. But I'm going to be watching Breaking Bad and they're like, we're on vacation in Disney World. And I'm like, this is Breaking Bad. <laughs> Chelsea's not intense at all. No, definitely no. not. I uh, unfollowed an ex-boyfriend, not after I broke up with him, but because we were watching the finale live and he was his TV must have been like 30 seconds ahead of other people's. And he tweeted who died like right after it happened. And I saw it and it spoiled it for me. So Definitely don't read Reddit during the show. No, there are some, there are some countries that are way ahead. So when you start reading, reading comments, you go, wait, when did this happen? And then it happens. You go, 
Well, I mean, yeah. if you're if you're following Reddit live on anything, you should be prepared yeah. for problematic for things yeah. to happen. <laughs> this is why I'm not a redditor. Yeah, I a, pretty much limit it to the makeup Mini Cooper and Disney subreddits at this point. It's it's the ones with <laughs> I flowers. Didn't know those and, yes, yes, those are the and even there. Oh my god, I've seen people get into like drag out arguments about racist comments in the Disney subreddit, and I'm like, we're talking about Disney World, right? There's 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 only <sighs> Walt Disney was a great guy. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm just, <laughs> There was only institutional racism at Disney, exactly. not, not explicit <laughs> racism. I mean, <laughs> it's it's the nice We're old crawling school. down that rabbit hole now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Who's excited well, about Moana coming out? Because they, <laughs> there's that, and then they just built the Shanghai Park, and because of that, they had to cut like they made cuts to the parks here. So people were posting like hashtag thank Shanghai, which isn't, you know, that's more fiscal than anything else, but they opened the Shanghai park and there are cultural differences between us and people in China. And so they were like slagging on people for doing things that are perfectly socially acceptable in China. And I was like, this is, they're like, I can't believe those people would do that. And I'm like, that's, but that's okay in their culture. Like, Mm -hmm. like here we don't step on flower beds to get a good picture. Like there, they're like, Oh, I want to take a picture of this. They'll just walk on the flower beds. Like, yeah, it's, Maybe we we think that's terribly offensive because somebody spent a lot of time putting those flowers in. Maybe they're like, oh, they'll just plant more. Like yeah. it's a cultural difference. Yeah. And then you know it's Reddit, so things happen. Yes, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Why are you looking at that's me? That's racist. <laughs> I'm not from there. Yeah, I mean, fair, fair enough. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> Hashtag thanks, Brian. Yeah, th- thanks for stepping on the flowers, Brian. Yeah, um, yeah my cousins, my, my my cousins. Yeah, taking those pictures. <laughs> so I think we can all agree that we don't subscribe to Reddit nerdery, except maybe Brian. <laughs> no, I. I ch- it's mostly for the theories, just to yeah. see, just to see. What's I used to be on. like super hardcore into that website and then I kind of backed off because I was like, ooh, this is getting awkward. It's also kind of an active cesspool. Yes. Um, well, if you filter the cesspool, you can get some decent theories. Well, and I think it, most of it. We'll leave that cesspool. to you, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think for, for, for the good things about it is if you really want to dive deep into something, you can find a community there where you can get into the minutia of. Oh, yeah. When we're talking about nerdery, it's, it's a great place for that because there are people that are obsessed with the thing oh, yeah. that they're talking mm-hmm. about and that they're following. It's For- a good resource. That's why I like the Mini Cooper subreddit. Cause like whenever I have a question with my car, I don't have to call the dealer and try and, you know, go through the runaround of getting a callback. I just go on, you know, there and I'm like, Hey, this light came out on my car. What does it mean? And five people will give me answers or if I need a, you know, recommendation on like service or something like that. So it's, it's still good for like in the small communities, crowdsourcing information and in that brain trust, but then you get any bigger and it's like, yeah, this is the worst. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that it's, it's, it, the prop one of the one of the many problems with it is once you get into communities where there's a lot of passionate people, they come up with rules, mm-hmm. and if you join in any time after like the beginning, the, everybody expects you to know everything as soon as you show up. You and mean then so you if you're not just, an OG? Yeah, then you just get destroyed when you like do something wrong. And people who moderate internet communities let the smallest amount of power go straight to their head. Like, oh. says they're the like, girl who moderates internet comments. Yeah, but like those comments are terrible, so I don't feel bad about it. Like, at least keep the ones that have interesting, interesting names. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I won't ban you for, um, I, you know, I won't ban you for expressing an opinion. But when you start getting like, you know, posting things that have super racist imagery or like pictures of dead people really or... clever names i'm sure yes really clever uh, am i allowed to say and some of them are a little blue am i allowed to say well, I mean, we've already done that so i mean you already broke um, that um there was there's <laughs> there's been like several of them and they come in like every couple of months and they'll be like they'll it'll look like 
um and it, they try to make it look like it's a, like an asian name um but it's if you actually read it out so the latest one was p-h-u-c-m-a-i twat so <laughs> fuck my twat yeah and i was it was so early in the morning and i hadn't had my coffee yet that all i saw was i went to i all i saw was twat and i just automatically had their comment i just saw twat and i'm like that's not a word you can say on here yeah and then it it popped up with the like would you like to ban this user and i actually looked at the name and i was like yes yes i would actually <laughs> most definitely most yeah. definitely yeah oh the, god the, the entire Vietnamese culture really hates you for trying to do that. I'm so yeah. sorry, but not really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. It reminds, and it's just like, it's super offensive. It reminds me of, um, I don't know if you remember this, but it was after that, um, I think it was a Korean air flight, but it was in San Francisco and the flight like uh, skidded off the runway and almost went oh, into the yeah, water. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. And there was a local news station that got fooled because... Yep, um, I remember yeah, that one. They, that was, uh, a, that was I, hilarious. They had like somebody, I don't know how, I think it was somebody called in and said they had information like, or somebody just like effed with them. I don't know what it was, but somehow somebody just decided to completely mess with them and say, yeah, we have the names of the pilots. And, and it <laughs> yeah. was like, and when you looked at them, it was like the names were like some ting wrong. Yeah. And just the most common ones. Holy yeah. fuck. Like yeah. the most offensive fake names that you could think of, but because it was a Korean air. Though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because it was a Korean air flight, somebody just went in the newsroom was just like, yeah, these sound legit. And they put them on the air and everybody was like, did you not read these out loud before, like read the scripts before you go on air? Right. And at this point, if you're if you're in the news and you don't read things out loud and you're not ready for somebody to walk behind you and yell, you know, effer in the effer in the pussy oh, or God, something, yeah. it's going to happen. The one time I have, I, you know, I don't really leave the newsroom that much. The one time I've been on a live shot with a reporter that happened Did and really? I was like, Oh my God, it was because I was at the jazz fest and I met up with her and, um, the f- photographer needed help holding the light. So I was like, well, I'm here. I'll help you. Yeah. Um, and like guy walked behind her and did it. <laughs> and, and I almost, I was holding the light. Otherwise, I would have chased him down. And his friend came back up to me afterwards and was like, hey, man, are you going to edit that out? And I'm like, it was live. <laughs> it's like, well, we don't really have that time machine yet. Yeah. So probably yeah. not. He's like, oh, my friend. I think he said something like my friend just thought it was funny. And I was like, yeah, well, your friend's an asshole. Yeah, I mean, it's. You know, I, I get it. I mean, you're just being disruptive. Yeah. And, and it might have been funny the first time. It's one of those things where oh, even yeah, if absolutely. it was funny the first time to you, like, and it's not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it's how many years after the original, which was fake. Literally, now, like, we don't, like, in the newsroom, like, if somebody thinks that, ha- like, that's only happened, like, once or twice, I think. But literally, they'll just use the acronym and they'll be like, I think I got F-H-I-T-P'd or whatever. I can't, like, I don't remember it off the top of my head. But everybody lo- knows, like, that's, they have an acronym for it. Like. Yeah. By the way, that acronym is a lot harder to say than actually just saying it. Yeah, but, I know, right? <laughs> but professional the typing is easier. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, fun what's, times. What's the face? Not in media. Yeah, <laughs> not in media. So yeah, exactly. I just have this blank stare right now. So this is why I drink. <laughs> you don't need a reason. So we're we're only going to touch on this for a second. Um, I think everybody became politic nerds. In the last two months. Yeah, my mom is like woke as fuck right now. Oh, <laughs> wow. She has gone off. Oh, yeah. You That's can unfollow her on Twitter. It's okay. Oh, oh, my God. She she has gone completely off on politics. And it's, you know, I, I appreciate it in a lot of ways because people have gotten so intense about it. I, I've told her before. She's like, did you see what I posted on Twitter? And I'm like, no, I have to mute you sometimes because I just like can't, can't handle it. <laughs> but I, I think that's, it's. You know, we're we're not going to dive into politics because that's we could just do an hour on that. But I think from it from a nerdery perspective, I think people are starting to learn more about not only the process, oh yeah, about how things how things were predicted, 
um, learn more about how things happen, figure out why things happen. And if you get past, if you get past the anger part, I think there's a great opportunity to become more involved and more nerdery of nerdy about how the system works and how everything happens. I hope that momentum is sustained though. And that mm-hmm. people don't just, oh, I'm really angry. Oh, and then, oh well. and then four years go by. I, you know? th- I think it is because I, you know, I had somebody message me just the other day. And if you're listening to this, I'm sorry that I haven't responded to your message yet. I've been very busy. Um, but I had somebody message me and he was like, you know, I, I appreciate, um, how you're feeling I feel the same way and he was like I want to know what you think of how we can get involved and I've had you know um people adding me to Facebook groups about like reporting instances and you know community activism and um trying to get involved so I think people are I think the anger is kind of burning out a little bit or I shouldn't say burning out but I um the anger especially reality is settling in it's available burning out come on now I'm so sorry um (laughs) I think the reality is setting in and people are realizing that, you know, I can be, I need to turn this anger into something useful. So I think, I think, you know, people are trying to reach out and find out how they can get politically aware. Um, and I, I'd like to say that I think that the institutions are responsive to that because, you know, my mom came to me and was like, well, what can I do at a local level? And I, you know, I was like, well, there's the Monroe County democratic committee. And she was like, so what do they do? And I'm like, nothing if you followed local politics you will know that's well, not hyperbole and who knows yeah I um mean, but you know i saw on facebook the other day that they're they're holding a meeting for citizens who want to learn how they can get involved in the party and i think um if especially for the democrats because obviously they blew up in the last election um if they can harness that energy that people are feeling and say yes this is how you can get involved um i'm i'm hopeful that that both sides will be able to to harness that energy but yeah we're talk is cheap let's see what actually happens yeah what i know from my perspective i know i know brian's done a lot of reading too i think a lot of the interesting stuff that i've read is very nerdy and very you know inside baseball and i've i've learned a lot personally you know i've i've learned a lot about you know a lot about how the systems work about about how things were you know all the prediction stuff and all the other things i've really learned a lot now, admittedly, I'll probably fall off after a while because I that's just what I do. But I, I enjoyed learning about this and reading the people that are really into it, either from the economic side or the or the other side of things. I, I know you did a fair bit of reading about this stuff too, Brian, right? Well, not as much reading as more of seeing where the so where did the pundits get their get their numbers from? So why how did they even come up with their with their predictions and how are they so wrong? It's it looks like it looks like it's just being out of touch with what what is America. In the on the East Coast, especially in you know New York, Boston, we're isolated. We're, we are in a bubble. The rest of the country is not like this. Yeah. So I can see why the disconnect is so big. I'm gonna be the asshole and say that I know the rest of the country is like that, and I just don't care. Yeah. I'm sorry. My brother yeah. lives in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, and it's it's very rural. And they're actually it's funny because um he used well he lives in um, Harrisburg now, so it's not that bad. But he used to live in an area that was in Lebanon County. And my mom was telling me that before um, Pennsylvania was officially called, but it was, you know, Donald Trump was still ahead. They zoomed in and they're like, well, there's one county that isn't reporting the results. And they zoomed in on Lebanon County. And she's like, fuck. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've been there. We know. And um, it's just. <laughs> yes. And yes. Yes. We are drinking. And Brian just bumped the microphone. Thank you. I was down in Nunda, New York today. And nice. I saw at least 10 Hillary for prison oh, bumper yeah. stickers. It's oh, like you nice. go just outside of Rochester, barely an hour away, and it's rural as all hell. And yeah, and I, I mean, maybe this is just, and this definitely is just me personally, because you know, I 
I haven't personally witnessed it, but I've heard cases of the racist things that happen there. And I'm like, you know what? I just, I don't, I don't want to cater to that. I don't, I don't care if that's what the heartland is like. The heartland needs to change. Like, I'm not saying that you need to all start sipping lattes and eating arugula or whatever the heck the stereotypes are, but kale, it's kale. It's kale kale now. I'm sorry. We've upgraded. (laughs) Arugula is so 2010. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about food. Oh, I like it. I like it. Thank you. No kale. In England, they call it rocket (laughs) instead of arugula. Yeah, they do. Um, I don't eat salad. I don't Mm -hmm. eat kale because my mom read once that kale is bad for your thyroid. So if I so much as mentioned taking a bite of kale, she's like, that's bad for your thyroid thyroid and i'm like oh, sorry I'm gonna <laughs> blow the microphone out um and you're really good. passionate about kale i'm very passionate it. about yeah. kale and actually the truth is i just don't like it yeah <laughs> oh. i've tried like i feel like those really bitter greens like kale and arugula they taste best when you have a citrus based dressing on it because it cuts the bitterness trader joe's has a good kale salad yeah. with oh. like chicken and a nice light dressing and cranberry it's pretty tasty i'm gonna have to try that you know i do i do love kale but i usually put it in soups so when I'm doing like harvest soups, I usually do vegan, vegan base. So I'll do, you know, miso and other things and I'll chop kale up and put it in there sort of as a filler and just making it a little more hearty. Um, I just prefer kale chips more than anything. Yeah, delicious. I've had those before and those were okay. Yeah. And it's another thing. I'm sure you can get at Trader Joe's. Oh, I'm sure. Have you like, ever had pea chips or bean chips? They like make them into little. My friend yep. thought they were doobies because they're these little <laughs> brown, crispy things. Oh, they're, they're delicious. She's like, "What is on your desk?" And I'm like, "It's beans." I swear. <laughs> <laughs> cough, cough. I don't think I've ever had those. Yeah, some some of them could be really interesting. <laughs> and now, thank you, Emily, for tagging the tagging the microphone. I'm with just gonna the, start like burping bad. and sipping into the really microphone. Enjoy we're done. The Boston Stout Secret Stairs that we're drinking. Oh yeah, Sicilian. Yeah this, is, yeah, this is really good. Yeah, this is from Trillium Brewing in Boston. And something I've recently become is a fairly serious beer nerd. Um, but before we dive into the more food and drink side of things, we're going to take a quick break to listen to whatever sponsors I'm going to read about in a second. <laughs> I'd like to take a second to tell you about a new Rochester-based website called Frankly. That's P-H-R-A-N-K dot L-Y. Frankly is a one-stop shop to find out where your favorite restaurants source their ingredients and also a great way to see who carries that coffee you love or who uses the best bread for their sandwiches. Frankly is the perfect tool to find the information you need about the food and drink you love. That's P-H-R-A-N-K dot L-Y. <laughs> so, that, yeah, that's that's a darn good question, Brian. And we're back. Um, <laughs> So we're we're gonna start with a delightful anecdote from Oh God Chelsea now, Flint <laughs> now it's gonna here. be a cool story, bro. Yeah. Um when I went to U of R, uh, you know, we pronounce things funny here, what with the Chilai and the Avon and the um Charlotte. And it's kind of funny because I feel like everyone expects you to say Avon because that's <laughs> how you should say it and the roster accent. And then we just decide to throw him a curl ball and go Avon. Yeah, obviously. Um, but so I, I, where I worked at the IT center at U of R, there was only one or two other people who were actually from Rochester. So I was getting shit for saying Chai Lai and everyone's like, no, it's chili. And I'm like, chili is a food. Chai Lai is a suburb. It's also a place. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. But I was like, you can't come. You're in Rochester. It's like you come into my house, my house, and you make fun of my accent. That's not how this works. Yeah. I'm in Rochester. I have the Rochester accent. Yeah. So then my friend. Dialect nerd. Dialect nerd. (laughs) My friend fucks everything up. He comes over and says bagel. Oh. And everybody goes, what the fuck did you just say? And he goes, 
that's how we pronounce it with a Rochester accent. Oh. And I and said there was a brawl. In oh, ITS. I was like, absolutely not. You don't you don't get to slander me. You don't get to drag me down with you. That is I say bagel. That's just you being weird, man. But uh, he got he had them convinced for a little bit that bagel was how you said bagel with a Rochester accent. And I was like, I can't live this down. No, you can't malign. You can't malign the Rochester native like that. Exactly. I mean, you know, we in Western New York pronounce many things incorrectly i mean i say albany so like make fun of me for that's that that's weird yeah i know I mean, that, that's wholly unacceptable and that's <laughs> fine we, sh- we should be corrected for the things that we butcher here and for our measly accents we should we should be destroyed for that but don't even bring up accents oh yeah exactly yeah you you people have the worst accents what which one boston no. my boston accents? yeah the boston accent oh, I'm, not even, I'm not even gonna do it because i don't have one no no you're you're very <laughs> neutral you're very, uh, very uh, broadcast, really. He's from everywhere. Yeah, he's from everywhere except for you know the fact that he's from, yeah, Boston. Oh, although I had to fake it just just to amuse a customer before. Did you really? Yeah, just because they wanted to they wanted to hear one from New Jersey. I went, oh, okay, might as well. Well, do it. I mean, New Jersey accents are the worst. So yeah, it was what New are, Jersey, so I went. I mean, I mean, it could be worse. Well, I mean, could it could it really be that much worse than New Jersey? Yeah, I can think of a couple places. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so enough maligning other states. Um, so we're going to get into the specific food part of our nerdy conversation. And I guess what what I want to know is what, what weird food thing are you just obsessed with that is hard to, either hard to justify or just most people aren't obsessed with it? Uh, I have two. I eat my fries with mayonnaise. Ew. Yeah. That's pretty normal. Well, um, it's kind of a Belgian thing. It's a Belgian thing. Yeah, I went to, uh, well, I mean, I did like that douchey thing where I went to another country, except in this case, it was just Canada because <laughs> I'd never gone to Europe. <laughs> How so, American of you. <laughs> yeah. I went to Montreal and had Belgian fries with mayonnaise and I was like, this is amazing. See, I'm, I'm very, I'm very cultured. I'm a, I'm an international traveler. I've gone to Canada. <laughs> well, it's funny because <laughs> Which part you know, of Canada though. Yeah. In Rochester, you're like, yeah, Canada, whatever. And then when I moved to I moved to California when I was nine and came back to Rochester when I was eleven and I said something about Niagara Falls and like, you've been to Canada? I was like, Yeah, it's like you can practically see it from your house. This was before Sarah Palin. <laughs> so it was okay. And uh, they were like, But that's another country and I was like, Well, if you're being technical Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, guess so. Like, like you we know, can see it. There's yeah. a gate to get in the door, but there's no cover charge. <laughs> they're like, okay, yeah, you come on in. Yeah, pretty much. They're, yeah. they're nicer <laughs> about letting you in than the Americans are about letting you back into your own country. Yeah, it's really easy for me to get into Canada. I say, what do you, they ask me, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm going curling. They're like, ha, Americans curling. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like Americans playing hockey. Right. And then I, when I come back and I say to the U.S. guy, hey, I was curling. They're like, oh, what the hell are you talking about? Just get back in here. The last time I went to Canada, he's like, where are you going? And I was like, friend's beach house for a weekend. He's like, okay, have fun. I come back to America and they're always like, okay, I'm sorry, I need the exact address that you're going to and I need to know how long you've lived there and I need your mother's maiden name and your security code for your bank account. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I just want to go sleep in my own bed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sleep so, in my American bed? Yes, Let me back I in. I want to sleep in freedom. <laughs> and spend um, my American money? But still eat my fries with mayonnaise. Your freedom fries. So, yes. my freedom, I eat my freedom fries with mayonnaise. Um, freedom and fries then with mayonnaise, yeah. The other food that I am obsessed with that gets very mixed opinions usually negative is um the only type of chili that i like is cincinnati chili skyline chili oh my god because that's what my mom made growing up i don't like chili with beans in it and like growing up i thought cincinnati chili was chili like that's all that 
that was made in our house. So I really thought we were um, going to go down a poutine road here. Oh, I mean, well, I feel like poutine is accepted. Like that—that that is my f- other food thing. Is and I it's freaking love poutine. And but, it, I yeah. think it's definitely worth mentioning. If somebody made a poutine with Cincinnati chili on top, I would probably die. I'm just putting that out there, Dogtown. I know that's your meat sauce. If you're listening, future surprise birthday party for (sighs) for some gentleman caller. (laughs) We're making poutine with Cincinnati skyline chili on top with cheddar cheese. I would totally eat that. Right? I would do it. Oh my god! Have you guys had the poutine from Hearts yet? I have not. No. It has roasted turkey and root vegetables and fried eggs and Ooh. really good gravy. Wow. That sounds good. It's Definitely totally not. healthy because there's vegetables mixed in with those french fries. <laughs> Absolutely. See, but I'm Irish, so potatoes are the only vegetable I need. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess that's three food things. So the, the fries with uh, mayonnaise, the poutine, and the Cincinnati chili. Cincinnati chili is definitely a little bit more obscure here. It's actually very uncommon i think yes who does it i mean uh nobody around here actually does a true cincinnati chili like dog towns can you um, explain cincinnati chili i don't know i think you absolutely should so cincinnati chili it's actually very similar to rochester's the rochester like hot sauce the meat sauce um dog towns meat sauce okay then 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 you're not gonna like it's already crossed off the Um, list so Dogtown actually on their menu advertises that their meat sauce is a cincinnati style chili um because the spices are very similar um i actually um, I will not name names, but a source on Twitter, uh, who knows a guy who knows a guy, um, leaked to me Nick Tahoe's meat sauce recipe. So Ooh. I am in possession of Nick Tahoe's meat sauce recipe. I so will... it's two parts grease, yes, <laughs> three parts super finely ground meat, four parts hangover. Of spice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I won't, you know, I won't leak the recipe because I'm not a jerk. But I was curious to see it because it actually the spices are very similar to Cincinnati chili. Um, so it's a very, um, you know, I'm I'm not much of a cook, so I'll probably describe it wrong. But I think the things that are surprising about it is that there's actually baking chocolate in it. Um, it's got a lot of uh, cinnamon. Um, coriander cumin allspice i think if i'm remembering right i don't know the recipe off the top of my head um and then it's onions tomato paste and tomatoes and ground beef and you just simmer it like you do with chili but there's no beans in it um only only vegetables are tomatoes and onions and i don't (laughs) like beans in my chili so that's why i love it and then you actually serve it over pasta with uh cheddar cheese on top and that's called a three-way I also love sexual jokes, so that's another reason why yeah, I love exactly, it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and then you can do it with onions and mustard on top. And uh, if you do one or the other, it's a four-way. If you do both of them, it's a five-way. So that's like how you order it. But it's always served over a bed of pasta, um, spaghetti traditionally, with this uh, cheddar cheese on top. And if you order it from Skyline, which is the most, I think, the most famous restaurant Absolutely, that actually yeah. serves it, um, it's literally... Just like you can't even see the pasta and the chili under the cheese on top. It is, a it is bed just of cheddar covered cheese. in a bed of cheddar cheese, which I love cheese, so it's amazing. Um, and then they also do, um, are they called, I think they're called conies, where it's a, a yeah. it's on top of a hot dog with cheese. Yep. So that's why I like Dogtown because their Cincinnati Red is basically a coney. So that's as close as I can get to Skyline in Rochester. Yeah, and there's there's definitely so many hot dogs covered in a chili-like substance. I mean, whether it comes to what we do in Rochester, which is hot sauce yeah um or you know the coney or a you know there's so many different versions of it all around the country mm-hmm. with you know texas hot you can't really lay claim to a chili covered hot dog no chili dogs yeah you yeah can't. but to me the because dog towns is so similar to cincinnati chili that's as close as i can get to having it in rochester nice so that that's that's a good list emily what do you have for weird food things that I enjoy. No, that that you're just that you're obsessed with, whether it's weird or not, just things that you absolutely love that you get really serious about. 
That is a tough question because yeah. I was mulling over weird food. Weird food's fine. Things in my head. I'm good with weird. So mine will totally gross you out because they're super weird. Awesome. Growing up, I had braces for a really long time. I got them in third grade. I feel your pain. And I would put applesauce on everything. I would put it in wraps and especially on pizza. <laughs> oh. Is it because you can't eat apples with braces? Yeah. And I still don't eat apples. Like, I think I'm allergic to the skin now because it makes my throat itch. And my mom oh, never believed me. No. But there's, like, proteins in the skin of certain fruits. You know what? My mom can't eat raw apples or cherries because they're related to birch trees. So you're probably allergic to birch. Yeah. But if you try, like, applesauce because it's cooked, mm-hmm. that's totally a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not lying. You're you not probably crazy. shouldn't. You probably shouldn't have the birch stick tea that I, I make sometimes <laughs> here at the house. I'll stick with the beer, but thank you. <laughs> oh, darn. Gotta stick with the beer. Oh. Uh. My other weird one that I haven't done much lately is peanut M&M's in orange juice and you eat it with a spoon. Oh like my the God. the sweetness <laughs> of chocolate with something acidic Wait, is hold, hold really on. tasty. Hold, hold on a second. I think this would be a good noise. Hold on. <laughs> that, that was my surprise. That, that, that is definitely an odd one. You should try it. That sounds... And then not get mad at me if you hate it. <laughs> well, See, I can't do orange juice, so that's I think that's why I'm immediately like, oh, God, no. <laughs> well, it's the it's orange good. juice, but, you know, in... Um, I mean, it's a salty, sweet thing. Yeah. 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 Also in Buffalo, I mean, orange chocolate's a big thing. Like, it's really popular yes. in Buffalo specifically. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. I love orange chocolate. The ones that you, why? like, smack on the table. I don't know. I, I It's a thing. And I guess it's been a thing there for a long time. Is maybe a Christmas tradition kind of thing, the orange chocolate. Yeah, I think they're those are supposed to be traditionally a Christmas thing. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I always hated it, but it was definitely a oh, thing in Buffalo. There's a lot of weird things in Buffalo. Well, but you don't have to tell us twice. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Buffalo. So orange juice and M&M's, that, yeah, that's, that's right up there and one of the weirder ones I've heard. Give it a try. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Well... And now we've come to the main event. Oh, the me. Because <laughs> this, this, this is the stuff that Brian and I talk about all the time. Oh, God. We, we, read, a, we read a ton about food. Way and, too much about food. And I'd say, I mean, we're, we're pretty obsessive when it comes to recipes and details about specific cuisines and stuff like that. Making sure you do it right. Yeah. We're, we're, it's, I don't cook a ton. I mean, he cooks a lot more than I do, but... Way too much. The dedication to doing freezer. things. Yeah, doing things right. <laughs> is we're, we're both right there. Making sure you do it right, making sure things are weighed, making sure that things yes. are cut properly. You got to weigh things. Oh, my God. When you bake, you have to weigh. It's not just baking. <laughs> True. <laughs> He's well, the problem. I say baking. My mom used to own a bakery, and anything over a quarter cup, we would weigh. Um, oh, and, absolutely. You know, I have friend, I have this one friend where he makes this recipe, and he's like, I can't, he makes these banana bars, and he was like, I can't figure out why sometimes it, it turns out more like a cake, and sometimes it turns out more like a bread. And I'm like, Are you weighing your flour? And he's like, No. Uh, things like that. He's like, matter. I just kind of dish, I yeah. just kind of throw it in there, and I'm like, You can't do that. Well, hell, even using even using a measuring cup is inherently inaccurate, especially to with weighing. flour. Yeah, compared to weighing, it's inherently inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Okay, you guys are the real nerds. I just made banana bread with no weighing, and it turned out delicious. Oh, yeah, sorry, not, not sorry. to say that it won't turn out delicious, but you won't get the consistency of the results. Well, the consistent consistency. Yes. Because the consistency of the bread I think, will not be consistent. I think I got that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Word. We have to go deeper. <laughs> Thanks, Romy. Word that's, nerd. That's great. Thanks. So... I mean, some of the things I know you've been working on. You've been working on... Yeah, some, one of the things I've been working on is um, sourdough breads, sourdough pizza doughs. Oh, God, um, do you have one of those sourdough starters, like the Amish bread starters that just I, threatens to take over everything? Yeah, <laughs> I had one of those. I, and then I didn't use it enough because I don't, I don't cook 
enough of everything. I Otherwise, had one of those for a week and then I ran out of friends to give it to. And I yeah. was like, I'm just, my life was going to be consumed with sourdough. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, my fridge would be full of just random, just be a big dough ball after a while. Oh, God. But so it's just basically taking, you know, going out to eat somewhere, trying what, what tastes really good and trying to replicate it in the kitchen. I do that, but with alcoholic beverages. <laughs> I do that with, well, I do that That's with, a lot easier. <clears throat> I do that mm-hmm. with cocktails and food, just especially things like there's a place in Cambridge, which, uh, which Chris and I've gone to. It's uh, Craigie on Main. And, uh, one of, and we're we're gonna do a separate we're gonna yeah. do a separate sit down and talk about Boston food. Um, but yeah, such a phenomenal place. Can I just recommend for that? Have you ever been to B and T oysters? B and G oysters. B and G. That's it. Yeah. Well, as a person who's allergic to oysters, no. So but, no. Okay. <laughs> but yes, I know. We yes. Uh, they have a BLT lobster roll. Ooh. Also allergic and to lobster. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Although, the fries are good, but you might die from walking in the door. So have somebody bring well, them to you. Well, one story I had when we were at the at Craigie on oh, Main. How before. do you live in Boston and be allergic to lobster and oysters? That must be torture. Well, he's allergic to everything. I can have steak. It's okay. Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah, but doesn't the air just like threaten to kill you every so often? It's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but we were so it was after I think Christmas or New Year's. I think it was New Year's, New Year's, New Year's, Day, Year's Day. New Year's yeah. Day, and their kitchen was wiped out. So they just said, "Yeah, this is all we have, and have at it." Or just this is what we have, and it's very limited. Sorry, so you get the we order just some, just a la carte things. And it's probably the best pasta I've ever had. It was it's phenomenal. The one thing I've ever just took my finger and licked the plate. <laughs> oh, at a uh, at a you know a fine dining restaurant, which is I'm not sure if it's acceptable, but I did it anyway. Yeah, whatever. You had to. Yeah, it was so but, good. And then they offered us this hot chocolate. <laughs> they offered us this hot chocolate, and I saw him scraping something up, scraping something into it. And I drank it. I said, what was that? He goes, essence of walnut. And I went, huh. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm allergic to walnuts. But... Yep. <laughs> so I just sat there for about 20 minutes, trying to, struggling to breathe for a while. It was great. It was like drinking a chocolate bar. It was delicious. <laughs> it was delicious. Well, at least your near-death experience tasted good. <laughs> well, he, he was driving home. He's like, yeah, I feel my throat closing up. I'm like, do I need to be driving right now? <laughs> Did you have like an EpiPen or go to the hospital or no, anything? I, I survived. No, he doesn't oh believe God. in Western medicine. survival of the fittest yeah exactly my throat closes up so be it well you could at least do some homeopathic benadryl or something (laughs) (laughs) homeopathic benadryl but it was it was you just look at the bottle and until your throat starts opening back up again please heal me bottle (laughs) you just sit there and go please breathe please breathe yeah exactly and then you end up breathing and it works out pretty well yeah it was good some strong faith right there it worked it worked, it worked in the end. I mean, you're here today. It was well worth it, though. Yeah, I was. Delicious. If it was, if it was, if I wasn't to go that day, it would not have been a bad day. <laughs> no, it, it was one of the finer meals I've had, and it was just leftovers, basically. <laughs> it was. Phenomenal. Imagine what the non-leftovers are like. Oh, oh, yes. So we've had the non-leftovers as well. That's some good stuff. Yeah, it's but, it's, it's spoiling. It is, but that's for another. That's a that is for another time. That's yeah, another. Sorry, time. We're getting onto the. We're encroaching on the. We're content. encroaching, but um, amongst the other things, you've done a lot of. Um, and not to pigeonhole you, but a lot of Asian cookery. Oh, I try to go. I try to go all across the map. So I'm Chinese. So I do. My grandmother taught me a lot of the her techniques, and I've been picking up other things from from Kenji uh, Kenji Lopez Alt, who's a great great uh, ambassador for cooking. He's he's our favorite food writer. Uh, I have his book on the shelf that Brian was nice enough to get autographed for me, Ooh. and it's it's an amazing book. And he's he's the He's the king of food nerdery on the internet, as far as I'm concerned, because it's approachable to the everyday cook, but it explains every reason why the recipe is good. I like that. So, so let's imagine Alton Brown decided to just explain exactly why 
ma- uh, scientifically, and that is what Kenji does. Yeah, it's it, I think I think of Kenji as the the successor to Harold McGee. Yeah, which I mean that's that's a whole nother. He's he's the modernist cooking guy. So if you've ever seen the, they do some. I mean he's one of the modernist guys, and um, uh, Nathan Mirvold's with the modernist cooking cookbook, which is a seven hundred dollar. Yeah, know, it, mo- it, huge. Is this all the fancy like foams and gelés or whatever they're called? And yeah, it's with and all the cool cutouts. Yes, I mean, yeah, I, I, I've I actually, I've, I've mocked that, but I've had sous vide salmon before, and it was like the best salmon I've ever had in my well, life. Well, if you ever want it again, I have a, I have a sous vide machine in the kitchen. Yes. <laughs> I was gonna get two of them actually. Yeah, <laughs> so I do have one in the kitchen, and it's, it's, it's fun to use. I mean, um, so the it, thing that cooks your meat in boiling water. Yeah, it cooks it inside a plastic package, basically. You so, set the water to like a super weird, precise temperature, and then cook it for the exact amount of time. And the reason why I like the, the salmon is because um, I actually had it at Disney World at the Festival of Food. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you, you know, they're churning them out, but it was still fantastic. And what it does with the salmon is I don't I like salmon better as sushi than I like it cooked because I actually don't like the flakiness. I like the texture of raw salmon better. Mm-hmm. So this they um, I think they barely even seared it. So you still had that um, that juiciness and that texture, um, but it was fully cooked and it was so good. Yeah, you can cook salmon to actually rare or medium rare yeah. salmon, and then you just do it throw a quick sear, so you can get some of the you know the interesting flavors of cooked salmon without the textural changes and without the threat of food poisoning. With, also, exactly. without the without the without the, oh, the chance of overcooking it. Yes, so, which is the best part. Like my my favorite thing I did with it was do uh, I did you know boneless skinless chicken breast, which is the worst and most generic piece of meat you can ever cook. It is the white bread of food. Yeah. But and it's so hard to cook properly because it overcooks really easily because there's no fat. So I sous vide to exact temperature, and then I seared it on a grill, and it was done. And it was I marinated. And it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Can I share th- a marginally related story? Oh please. <laughs> so this summer, my boyfriend went to travel through Lesotho, which is in South Africa. It's a country landlocked by South oh, Africa. Yeah. Okay. His brother is in the Peace Corps. So they went up and they were staying at this tiny little hotel up in the mountains. And they were trying to recreate a five-star restaurant, but there aren't really any five-star restaurants in Lesotho. So as the wait staff went around taking their orders, they kept asking all these questions that weren't really quite right when, I don't know <laughs> if it was lost in translation or what, but two of them ordered fish, one ordered steak, and one ordered peppers. So the waitress comes back out after talking to the chef, and she goes, how would you like your steak cooked? And they go, oh, medium. And then she goes, and you, your, your fish. And they go, well, what are my options? And they go, rare, medium, or well done. And they go, medium. And then she goes to the last one and goes, how would you like your peppers cooked? And he's like, what are my options? Rare, medium, and well done. I like it. Yeah, I would like so, the rare peppers, please. Yeah, that's how they do it. Well, you know what? Food. I want that's the charred ones. Yeah, that's actually not the. <laughs> it's actually way. not that bad a question. Like, if you're yeah. cooking vegetables, how do you like your vegetables? A lot of people like Boiled vegetables beyond recognition. Exactly. <laughs> do you like your vegetables like your like your suburban family from the sixties? <laughs> <laughs> you know, encased in jelly. <laughs> oh, encased in jello. Oh, aspects. Did no, you see? No oh my no god. No jello molds. Aspects. Somebody, uh, New York Times. They did a, a series. They did a series on Thanksgiving dishes, and somebody did a freaking aspect. They oh, did wow. a Thanksgiving jello mold, so, and they were like, "My grandma used to always make this." And I was like, "Look, just because this election brought our country back to the 1920s." 
1950s doesn't mean our food has to go <laughs> so, with so it. Your, so their grandmother made Zing. it. Doesn't mean we have to make it again. Exactly. I'm okay my, with not having leaving that in the history. My grand, like my family is the waspiest family you will ever meet. Like we are not. We don't have a drop of Italian blood in our body. I, I are, could never tell. Uh, I know, right? I could never I, tell. I, 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 for anyone who has not seen a picture of me, I could rival Conan O'Brien for how pale I am. I am literally <laughs> translucent skin. I've had people. Next to me in the theaters, change seats because I am glowing too much and distracting them from the show. <laughs> um, very, very white. A Caucasian United Nations, if you will. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's mostly German, Irish, English. Not exactly the most adventurous uh, cuisine-wise. Mm. Um, we got really good drinking genes, though. So my grandmother, apparently, my mom told me this story. I don't remember this, but my grandmother made lasagna with... Um, uh, I'm going to get this wrong. She made lasagna with uh, ricotta, uh, not even ricotta, I'm sorry, with Boo. cottage and uh, cheddar cheese. Ooh, wow. Yeah. I've yeah. actually seen um, that before. Yeah, and I'm told it was not very good. No, probably um, not. But yeah, so uh, we don't really have any family culinary traditions that are, uh, her cookies are good. Like her cookies and her fudge, I'll yeah. recreate. But um, yeah, when you've been in America since before the Revolutionary War, your food's not that great. Yeah, probably not. I'm sure there were tons of aspects recipes that are just you know sitting in a drawer somewhere, <laughs> waiting to not be passed down. Just just keep them there. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> just keep them there. Oh, so I'm going to finish over here. I I know you've you've been working on um, mapo tofu as well. Uh, right, that's now, been a big one. So right now, my oh my brother, um, he is a trained chef, and he tried it, and it's, it's on par with restaurant level now. Yeah, it's with, turned out really with, well without without having the you know the ten thousand BTU burners, which yeah makes a huge difference. Which I, I really mean, want one. The difference between cooking at home if and you, yeah, um, like I said, my mom owned the bakery, and you get really spoiled having like industrial level equipment, even just for cleanup. Like when I went home and had to do the dishes without a power washer, I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. Takes or, longer than five seconds. Or a dishwasher that has like the huge yep. heat in it that's searing the or, stuff yep. off. Or a, a sink with instant hot water. Yes. Oh, oh it's great. Three basins. I have I have a one basin sink at home, which mm-hmm. sucks. I'm like, where where am I where are all my bays? Yeah. I and need I, I need an expansive sink. Can I have one of the stretchy things to spray <laughs> off the stuff? Yes, that would be nice. Um Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last the stuff I've been working on recently, nerdy wise, is all fermented. Like I have fermented pickles. I've got I did a you did the pickles and you also did the uh the knife review. Oh that's right, yeah. On just the just cutlery in general. I mean we're we're definitely both into cooking tools. Um I just bought a I'm not super into it. Like I have a a couple nice knives. 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 Yeah. I got I see where we're going now. Um, I have a nice one that we're I on got. the third bottle of beer, so it's going to keep going that way. Yeah, <laughs> we're on the fourth. Oh, sorry, I'm we, I'm behind. The third bottle. Of beer. I, I'm on so many like beers I can't count. What kind of amateur hour is this? I'm sorry. Last time, last time we were here, we were burning through cocktails. I write for a living now. I don't do math. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and if you want to break out the hard stuff, I mean, <laughs> I and you know it's certainly possible. Um, yeah, because I, I did. I recently did an unboxing video of the Meeson Chef Knife that um, I got on a Kickstarter. It was one of Kenji Lopez-Alt's uh, recommendations from Serious Eats. It was a Kickstarter knife that came out at like $65 that kind of plays like a 100-plus dollar knife. Um, really nice, really balanced. Um, now you, you got the same thing, right? Yeah, I have the same thing. It's just a different color handle. That's one of the things that I always wanted to do is take a class on knife skills because I'm like... I'm so bad. Yeah, I'm really bad. Like... <laughs> 
Like I'm the type who like starts chopping the onion really well and then I get halfway through and it just all falls apart and I'm like My boyfriend will watch me and cringe because he thinks I'm gonna lose a finger. Oh, the last time I made guacamole, I actually I it's all grown out now, but I almost cut my finger and I didn't cut the finger, but I cut the fingernail. Ooh, nice. But not enough to like actually draw blood, so I just had to walk around with this like super short fingernail forever and it was I was like, Okay, good, I didn't season the guacamole any extra. Guacamole (laughs) war stories. Yes. Definitely had definitely had my share of cuts and, and a lot of bleeding. Oh, so. Yeah. But, but it, of, it yeah. comes with the territory, though. It does. Well, I think it's one of those things. It's going to happen. But by... Just be paying, able to manage it. <laughs> by paying attention and, you know, trying... Again, this is where it comes to the details and the nerdery is how do you hold things? How do you hold your knife? How do you hold the food? Being really technical about how you do things. It also doesn't help that I'm left-handed and a lot a lot of not, a lot of really nice knives are, are handed. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, my mom it, was a lefty growing up and so we always had like directional scissors and things like that and you don't think about you know righties don't think about how things are handed even though you know it might not seem like it i recently learned that lefties and righties put candy canes on their christmas trees in the opposite direction i believe that my mom's really crafty and um when you're right versus left handed you actually sew um or embroider in the opposite direction hmm. and when i learned how so you're supposed to, i do it backwards um you're supposed to sew. I think as a righty, you're supposed to sew this way, or you're supposed to sew the same way you write, and I sew the opposite way, um, which to me makes more sense. But I didn't realize it until somebody was like, oh, you're sewing backwards. And I was like, I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's definitely interesting. Because um, that's, I don't know a lot. I mean, it's really just you that I know it's really left-handed. And I know the knives, <laughs> I mean, the, the knives can be a problem because it's a, it's the angle that the blade finishes in. If it's, uh, if it's symmetrical, it's fine, but oftentimes they don't make it symmetric on nope. the actual finish of the blade. So it you just it'll just act really weird. So you're and go, chopping in the other direction. It'll basically. go in opposite. It'll go it, weirdly directional. So through. what will happen is that the food won't fall off the fall off the knife. Yeah. Oh. So it starts piling up, which is really uncomfortable when you have it's, don't have a giant cutting board. It's, <laughs> it's uncomfortable. It's annoying, and then it messes up your flow. You eventually have a chance of cutting your finger. Because you can't see your fingers anymore. Yeah, which is not not the best thing ever. No, not really. I smell a business idea. Left-handed knives. <laughs> they have them already. You know, oh, I th- never I think mind. Just buy them then. No, I'm joking. They're just more expensive. <laughs> we're going to open the Leftorium. That's discrimination. Hey, that's <laughs> a there's, good idea. There, yeah. there's that, that's a store that exists. There's a store called, um, I mean, it's mostly like joke stuff. I can't remember what it's called, but there's a store that sells stuff just for like left-handed people. And they have like Thanks, the gag Spencer's. mugs where if you try to like use it, if you're like trying to use it as a righty, it has like the dribble hole in it. And they have like, um, you know, only left-handed scissors and like utensils and pencils and notebooks. Simpsons did it. <laughs> <laughs> did it a long time long ago. Long time ago. And somebody old watched lef- it and went, I can do that. The yeah. old leftorium. Golden era Simpsons. Yeah, we're, we're not going to dive into that area of nerdery because that's <laughs> like, that's like right up there in my favorite things ever is golden that's like, that's like a three hour long show right oh, there. golden not allowed to watch the simpsons as a child yeah same why but then it was God. too stupid and would make me stupid. well remember she was playing <laughs> benjamin franklin video games oh, right it's i wasn't allowed to watch the simpsons either i also was not allowed to watch um ren and stimpy why or but you were but you were playing grand theft auto at 13. yes well so here's the thing is i found out when i grew up i thought that there was a lot of stuff that my mom had a moral objection to i know that she didn't like Ren and Stimpy because she thought it was vulgar. Um, she really didn't like Cow and Chicken, but I was allowed to watch that because I watched mostly Cartoon Network shows. Yeah. Um, but she didn't let me watch the Power Rangers growing up. And I thought I was like, my mom's not like that religious. I don't see what she could hate about the Power or the um, Power Rangers. 
And then I found out like two years ago that it was because my brothers are eight and nine years older than me. So she spent the entirety of the 80s watching every like stupid bit of 80s kids programming possible. So by the time I rolled around, I was born in 1990. uh, Basically, she was done and she wanted to watch adult programming. So I started watching Friends when it premiered in 1994, um, even though most of it went over my head. Um, But so I found out years later that she was like, no, I just thought Power Rangers was dumb and I didn't want you watching it. So I was completely to, reasonable, yeah. by the way. I, I, it's fair, but like you said, then by the time I was thirteen, I was watching South Park and listening to Eddie Izzard and playing Grand Theft Auto, and I think by that point it was just whatever. It was all downhill from there. It's funny because I'm the only child, and they like to joke that they didn't give up because they had time to recuperate. But I think they kind of gave up culturally. I mean, I, I was a good kid. I was a little goody two shoes in high school. I never did anything wrong. But she was like, well, killing hookers and, you know, listening to a transvestite British comedian won't hurt her. So let's let her have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, perfectly harmless. <laughs> what, <laughs> um, could what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I turned out fine. Yeah, I think. sure. <laughs> Jury's still out. Um, I'm trying to think of what, what else food-wise specifically that I've been really diving into recently. Um I, I just find little tasks and crafts and I'll do those like I did hot sauce recently. Um It's it's periodic obsessions. Yeah, exactly. It's whatever whatever I'm finding at the market, whatever I'm finding that's interesting, and I'll just go dive into it for and see what I can do. Yeah, for for me it's in the summer it's ice creams. So I'm like, all right. So I'll make <clears throat> gallons of ice creams and I oh go wait a minute. I'm sort of lactose intolerant, so I can't eat these all. <laughs> I was so I end up say. giving them away. Yeah, exactly. And people love it. And I went, all right, that's, I guess this is a good hobby. Even though it's, it's free ice cream for people. I would say this maybe isn't an obsession for me, but a kind of a vendetta, um, which I guess are kind of the same thing. Absolutely. Um, so my mom a couple of years ago discovered that she was gluten intolerant, but it's not digestive for her. Um, so I, and I'm of a firm believer in if you don't eat something and it makes you feel better, then just don't eat it. Like, I don't care if you're celiacs or not, you know, for her, it was a joint thing. It was like she, she had knee issues when she ate gluten and she did an elimination diet. When she reintroduced the gluten, she started having the problems again. I was having massive heartburn problems until I stopped drinking milk and cut out different forms of dairy. And then I was fine. So I'm a firm believer, but I was tested and I'm not lactose intolerant. I'm a firm believer. in cheese. No, I don't cut. I, I mean, I cut back on it, but let's be real. I still <laughs> let's, eat a ton let, of let, Let's be sane about things. Yes. And the, and the thing that does affect me the most <clears throat> is milk and cream. So I'm a firm believer in it doesn't matter what your test results say. If you don't eat something and you feel better, just don't put it in your mouth. But there are so many people who, and you know, I get like the jokes about like, oh, if you're gluten intolerant, you're hipster. Those don't bother <laughs> me. Or, you know, the bartenders who are like, well, I had somebody say they're gluten intolerant and then they ordered a beer. Like, obviously that person's just being a, a bit of a dick. Um, but so my vendetta is kind of a lot of foods that could easily be made gluten-free, um, that aren't. So my biggest thing is like trying to get people to be more aware of food allergies, the potential for cross-contamination, um, and just, you know, how easy it is to do something simple that won't actually change the flavor or the taste at all, but can make something so much more accessible to so many more people. Absolutely. And there's so many things that don't need things added. You don't need to add sugar into this. You don't need to add flour into this. You it's unnecessary. Get, it's just filler. Yeah. When you get the textures right, I mean, there's some cases where you cannot do it properly. And if I'm being, you know, my hardcore nerdery about like pizza and pizza. things, you can make pizza dough that's gluten free, but is inherently less oh, good. Oh, yeah. 
Well, no, and it's um. So it's funny, I actually, because I order like I'm not gluten intolerant, but now when we go to restaurants, sometimes I will order things gluten free just so that we can share dishes or things like that. So, so I've ordered gluten free pizza before, and it's not the same. It's more like a flatbread than anything else. But there are some places where I'm like, I actually like this better than your pizza crust. So I'll even though I'm fine eating the gluten, I order the gluten free pizza anyway. Um, which you know might make me a jerk because I'm like, oh, can I have that gluten free even though I'm not gluten intolerant? But Whatever. Hey, if it's better, it's better. That's what exactly. really matters. I mean, um, regardless of whatever you like. So look at look at this roundup thing right here. Regardless, if you like something, you should like it and like it as much as you want to like it. I mean, if you love, doesn't matter what you love. I mean, just enjoy if what you, like you want. Peanut M and M's and orange juice. You should like it as much as I you want to so like it. Loved and accepted. <laughs> See, right? If you, if you like Cincinnati chili, you should like you it as much li- as you want to like it. <laughs> yeah. And if others want to hate it, yeah, so be it. <laughs> um. I think what we're going to do is finish up with a quick alcohol nerdery session because I dig it. I think there's I'm fine with that. I think all of us are at least fairly alcohol nerdery. Oh, I thought you would say alcoholics. Well, I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> I, I try to pace myself most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. It is a holiday weekend. It's a holiday for season. Some of us. It's time for <laughs> I'm drinking. I'm not singing. Beer. Yeah, right. I'll just listen to the radio if I want to listen to holiday songs. <laughs> <and I'll stop. laughs> all right, so. I'm going to start with Emily. What's your, what's your alcohol nerdery thing? What's your favorites? Mm. I like a lot of Finger Lakes wines. I have a, my okay. family has a cottage on Cayuga Lake, so I go up and down to all those wineries in the summer. My favorite one is called Bet the Farm, and it's in the town of Aurora, right near okay. Wells College. And they also have like a gourmet market, so you can like buy really delicious cheese, and they're always sampling like ginger cashews or something weird like that. And they make some pretty good like treminettes and just good like drinking out on the porch in the summertime wine. I'm a big fan of that. Awesome. Is there, is there a specific thing they do well wine-wise? Their Traminette is probably my favorite. They have a good Pinot Gris, too. Okay, nice. Um, yeah, I've been exploring the Finger Lakes wine scene a little bit more. I did some, I went to a couple of the Governor's Cup wine uh, winners this last year, and yeah, there's a ton to explore. And if you really want to get into it, it's a great place to get nerdy about wine because there's it's a completely different region than california wines or other things getting into cold climate wines is a whole separate field and it's a great place to start diving into it and for the most part they're pretty down to earth like people aren't very snobby in the finger lakes they're just like yeah i make wine it's kind of fun sometimes it's good yeah and the entry point is so cheap mm-hmm. like if you want to dive into this you're not going to spend a mint you can go get i mean as long as somebody else is driving you can go through <laughs> you know like eight tastings in a day and spend no more than like thirty dollars, thirty, forty dollars. Oh, yeah. It's Are crazy. Are you offering to drive Stromy? No, not anymore. No. <laughs> I thought and you were gonna say you could get into making wine yourself pretty cheap. My dad leased oh, vineyards. He leased like a couple of vines in the nineties. Yeah, and he would like go harvest the grapes himself and make wine. So my birth announcement was like announcing the Emily Vintage of nineteen ninety because he was like so <laughs> wow. into harvesting really grapes cool. and making wine at the time. That's great. And I feel like, you know, we're kind of, we take it for granted, like most nice things about Rochester. Like this is a, a major wine destination right in our backyard. And people like, you know, come here for major visits and it's like a tourist destination. We're like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to go down to the Finger Lakes for the weekend and just try yeah. some wine. Like we take for granted how awesome it is. Um, and I've recently gotten into um, going to Niagara on the Lake, which is, you know, opposite direction. It's a little bit harder in terms of what you can actually bring back um, because you have to deal with customs. But but the U.S. The US in, side is yeah. good, too. We're in between these two amazing winemaking regions, and like you can get, you can just go taste some cool wines for the weekend, or you can get super into it if you want to. 
Absolutely. And some people are like, oh, the Finger Lakes, they're not that good. It's California. It's where it's at. And it's like, I'd much rather support something local and have the people who are, you know, within this really close radius to us making good products, you know? Well, and just like, and you know, any other place, I think they're, you know, I've had Finger Lakes wines that I'm not a fan of because mm-hmm. I'm, I don't like really sweet wines. So you do get the wineries where they, you know, they do cater to the, the ones that have the really high residual sugar and they're much sweeter. And then you get the ones that are, you know, we do slightly drier wines. You just have to try them and find mm-hmm. the ones that you like. Totally. You're not going to like every single wine from the Finger Lakes. Just you don't like have you're not to only drink Riesling. There's yes. Good yes. Noir too, and I know it's their grape, but. <laughs> yeah. And th- there's some amazing stuff. But the fact that people can be creative here, you can try different things in cold climates and. And there's and Cornell so many... does a lot of cool stuff with like hybrid grapes. Oh yeah. Yeah, and speaking of I mean that's that is it's hard food science and they do such a good job with expanding our growing ability from from fruits to the wines to all sorts of things. I mean they're such a great resource. Um if you want to dive into food, you know, growing food in our region. I mean Cornell Cooperative is such a great resource. If you want to get super serious about it, they're they're the place. Oh yeah. It's super interesting, actually. If you guys are ever in Aurora and go to Bet the Farm, you should strike up a conversation with Nancy, the winemaker there, because she is, she works at Cornell in a lab with bull semen. <laughs> That's her day job. Not not to, for to not for it for wine, right? No, has nothing to do with okay, the wine. Okay, got it. But got someone it. wanted to give her wine lessons in exchange for chemistry lessons, so she taught them what she knew from her day, day job with her chemistry knowledge in exchange for learning how to make wine and it makes sense that someone who's into chemistry would be into winemaking because it is you know once you get really into it 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 does get very scientific Mm -hmm. absolutely especially again when we're talking about consistency it's so important to know the technical aspects of you know how much can we heat this up to make it more shelf stable without destroying the flavor compounds Mm -hmm. and you can do it all by guess and check but I mean, that's why science exists. That's how I live my life now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great winery up the road from Beth the Farm called Heart and Hands, and they use glass corks instead of regular corks. I got a wine like that one time. It was yeah, the weirdest thing. Yeah, then you don't thing. get cork in your wine, yeah. and it's, and you can, just, it's like, like, supposed like, to be better preserved. It's and, like a built-in stopper. Yeah, lots of good reasons to use it that I... Yeah. Don't know all I of. prefer. See, I like you know. I know that um, with wine, there's like the stigma around the screw tops. Um, so I I like the glass cork because you don't have to get all the screw top jokes. Um, because I went to uh, Century with a friend of mine one time, and he was buying it was um, Beaujolais. It was uh, the the whatever the you know day is when they released that year's vintage is, of Beaujolais. What is the big deal with that? I don't understand. It's, so it's something where it's like it's a light. It, um, I might be wrong on this because. I'm not really into it, but from what I understand, it's a light red wine that's um, every year they release the new vintage, and it's it's not meant to be cellared. It's meant to be drunk within that year. Um, so they have the Beaujolais release day, and it's like, oh, the new wines are here. Come try our new Beaujolais. But you're, you're not supposed to keep it for a long time. Um, so my friend, it was Beaujolais release day, and he was really into them, so he wanted to go see what Century had, and he picked one up and was looking at it, and there it was um, a display from the winery, so it was actually the representative from the winery, which I didn't realize. Um, so we picked it up to look at it and I just offhand jokingly went, Oh, I don't know. That one's a screw top. And she looks at me and she goes, it's actually called a Stelvin closure. <laughs> and I almost doubled over Duh. laughing right in front of her. So later I got home and looked it up on Wikipedia and discovered that the technical name for a screw top is called a Stelvin closure because it's a little more fancy than that. It's like, you know, how the seal is made at the top of the actual lid. Um, and the guy who invented it, his last name was Stelvin. So it's a Stelvin closure. So, uh, my dad belongs to a couple different wine clubs. Um, and the, he has this one guy, we call him his crack dealer where he'll just like, 
it's this email list and this guy like he just travels the world and collects he buys up different like surplus wines and foods and stuff like that and then offers it for sale on this mailing list so you just like say yeah i want six bottles of this wine and then he drop ships them in april and october so f- for the longest time my dad was just like oh yeah i ordered some wine and then in april like two giant boxes of wine would show up to the house and we'd be like yeah it's your crack dealer we never see him he just sends you alcohol um, does it come in a parachute i wish that would be really <laughs> cool um but yeah so every so often you know you know you don't don't know what you're getting with that it's just it just shows up at the house so whenever we pull out one that's a screw top i go oh it's a stelvin closure <laughs> You learn something new every day. Yeah. And then I found I $20. Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone ever gives you shit for having a screw top, it's a Stelvin closure. Yes, I only I only utilize the Stelvin closure for my easy open wines. <laughs> for I when I'm bourbon. having a really tough day. Now we need a fancier version for box wine. Mm. And then, then I think everything will be better. Yeah, I don't think you can dress up Franzia. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> so I know, I know Chelsea, you're... You've got some alcohol nerdery. Yes, um, quite a few different venues. Um, I've kind of so I have a couple different obsessions. Um, I've taken a couple seminars on like craft cocktail mixing, and um, one of my obsessions is tiki drinks. Um, I really love the whole like aesthetic of um, you know the 1950s tiki bars. Um, I actually really read a really fascinating article one time where it was talking about you know the uh, the tiki bars of the 1950s and 60s and how. Um, they weren't meant to be, uh, it, how tiki bars are actually kind of making a comeback now. Um, actually the last craft cocktail course I took, both the bartenders said they think the next, um, as, you know, the, the classic cocktail had a revival with Mad Men and they said they think the next, um, thing that's going to have a revival in cocktail culture is going to be tiki drinks, which I am hundred percent on board with. Um, and how it's not really hearkening to the actual culture of the South Pacific or any one, um, culture, but it's actually hearkening back to the 1950s Americana and how we interpreted the tiki culture following, you know, world war two and exposure to all those cultures. So it's not really supposed to be reflexive of, um, a specific culture from actual Polynesia, but it's kind of reflexive of that aspect of Americana. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. So, you know, and their argument was like, well, you, you know, it could kind of be viewed as, as offensive or, um, or reductive to, to do a tiki drink that's not, you know, it's not looking at any one culture. It kind of reduces all of Polynesia to one aspect when it's, you know, it's like saying like Asian food, like, well, there's more countries than Asia. Like that's the continent. There's lots of different nuance there. And it, <laughs> we're all staring at Brian right now. Um, and, and Polynesia is the same way. There's a lot of different cultures, a lot of different countries, a lot of different nuance. But in this case, the tiki revival is going to be more reflexive of, uh, 1950s America, which you know, given the current political climate, might be appropriate. Yeah one um, one of the one of the bar guys I know he kind of felt a little more strongly about it, and at the one of the bars he was working at in Boston, uh, Back Bar, Back Bar, yeah, uh, they were doing instead of you know the Polynesian themed tiki things, they did only Star Wars themed tiki drinks. Oh my god! See, so my so dream, everything, yeah, Chelsea's my dream heart is, just stopped. Uh, I told my mom that I wanted to, <laughs> this is going to sound so dumb. I wanted to open a, um, tiki bar that was going to be glitter tiki themed. So like Kesha tiki, and I was going to call it tiki talk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I told my mom that and she's like, you're insane. And I'm like, but it would be awesome. But it would be great. Um, so I was actually recently in Chicago and we found this tiki bar kind of by accident. Um, we were actually driving from the airport and I saw a tiki bar and my dad went to look it up and he found it on a list of, it was a list of Chicago's 10 best tiki bars. And my reaction was Chicago has 10 tiki bars. Mm-hmm. It flipped out. So 
this was just complete luck. Uh, we had dinner reservations, but we had time to kill. It was about 3.40, and my dad looks up on his phone, and he's like, well, this this list recommends this tiki bar called Three Dots and a Dash, which I didn't know, but it's, like, world famous, apparently. And he's like, it's a 20-minute walk, and they open in 20 minutes. So we, we make the walk. We get there, and we're walking down the street, and it's nowhere to be found. Um, I see a sign for parking, so I go up to the guy, and I go, hey, where is this place? And he goes, oh, it's around the corner. You enter through the alley. So we walk around the corner, and we're about to turn the corner into the alley. And my mom is looking at me and my dad. And she's like, are you going to get us killed? She's like, we're walking down an alley in the middle of Chicago right now. I don't know this city at all. We turn the corner. Um, first of all, there's a guy in a tiki shirt walking in front of us down the alley. Second of all, there's a line to get in. And they don't open for two minutes. Nice. And I'm like, we are in the right place. This is going to be amazing. Yeah, a line. We walk, yeah, we walk inside. You go downstairs. It's underground. You walk down the stairs under a wall of skulls, which is tiki and skulls are like my two favorite things. Um, so I spent like the entire, we spent, stayed about an hour and a half there and I spent the entire time just staring around. Like, like you remember at the Democratic National Convention when Hillary saw the balloon drop and she was like, <gasps> like that was me. Every time I turned the corner, I was like, I love this place. But how were the drinks though? Oh, the drinks were amazing. Okay. They like, uh, they are one of the What's pioneers of the tiki drink? revival. Everything. Um, oh, see, we're educating yes. here. This is so, good. So uh, you you get a lot of um, your tropical spirits. So I would say primarily rum um, is going to be the biggest um, spirit that you'll find. Um, rum or tequila, not as much tequila because that's more Mexican. But, um, you know, the modern tiki drinks, I think they are getting a little bit more inventive. My dad had one that had gin in it. Um, but primarily you're going to see rum, vodka, um, base spirits like that. And then it's going to be, um, very tropical fruit flavors. So pineapple, um, lime, um, you start to see, uh, there's this thing called falernum, which I didn't really know about until I started researching tiki drinks. Um, but it's actually, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, cause I've only looked at the recipe like once or twice to actually make it myself, but it's like a, a mix of like juices and spirits. Yeah, I mean it's a so it I, I am looking this up, but yeah, it is a uh, it's a sweet syrup. It tends to be warm spi- warm spices and uh, nut based, so it's like almonds, yeah. ginger, cloves. Same thing with orgeat, yeah, which is kind like, of an almond liqueur. Yeah, so it, uh, which it's, is very it's popular. Basi- it's like a it's a liqueur basically. Um, I'm so in the dark on tiki <laughs> drinks, and yes, that's the David Pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the, it's, but like you said, it's warm spices. So it kind of balances out all the tropical fruit flavors and gives you a sweetness and a savoriness so that it's not like, oh my God, I'm drinking like fruit juice. So what is the appeal of tiki drinks for you? Um, for me, I think it's the kitsch. Um, you know, they have, you you get the drinks and they come with like a little stir that's got a seahorse and tons of fruit. And like I've always said, I love any drink that comes with a snack. Um, but you know, the glasses are like, uh, they had one glass because they're so world famous now they can be self-reflexive. So they had a, the glass that my drink came in actually was shaped like their skull wall. So on one side it had a bunch of skulls on it. Um, or they have like, you know, the, the tiki, uh, totems, you get like glasses like that. So I just love the kitsch of it. I like how it's, you know, underground and dark and bamboo everywhere and the bright colors and the you get a drink with a banana cut like a dolphin. Like it's really cheesy, but it's fun cheesy. Um, and I think, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's okay to just be ridiculous and drink a fruity drink. Anyone can drink a fruity drink out of a straw and have to feel like they're being unmanly or something yeah. like that. It's just fun. It's amazing how different humans are. That does not appeal to me at all, <laughs> but I'm glad you love but it. But see, I, I, I like it with balance. Like I also like to go to a fancy wine bar and, and drink, you know, very nice expensive wines in like fancy Manhattans. But every so often, you know, I just want to go drink a silly drink out of a tiki glass 
and listen to Hawaiian music. If it was a Hamilton bar with Hamilton lyrics themed See? drinks, then so, I'd be yeah. all about that. See? Yeah. yeah. Not much well, of a cocktail person. I um, what, what 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 is it about them that you that you don't get into? It's just I'm not a liquor person. I drink a lot of beer and wine. That's about it. That's fair. A little bit yeah. too high test, or what? What's the? Is it a just know. a general thing? I don't know. There's more to learn. I guess it's a higher barrier of entry. I do like the Felix Felicis at Knox. Oh yeah, Harry Potter drink yes. with like the egg yolk in it and lemon. It's really good. I just learned how to make an egg yolk foam, um, mm. and I have to go to the gym before I make any more because I didn't shake enough. And I was like, <laughs> I did. The, I was like, this is really good. I did really well in this. And I got to the last sip, and I got like a mouthful of unfoamed egg white, and I was like, no. <laughs> that sounds that sounds delicious. <laughs> it was not. Luckily, it was pasteurized, so I wasn't gonna die. But I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. I also don't um, love like paying ten dollars for a drink that's itty bitty. Yeah. It is kind of a Maybe thing. Maybe I'm I mean, cheap, but well, you know, it is it is a thing, and uh, it's it's a lot of craftsmanship. I mean, we're mm-hmm. you're paying a lot for the for their for the craftsmanship. It's watching their technique. Yeah. And I mean, Chris and I went to a, one of the a, a well-renowned place that's actually outside of Boston, and they do things like smoked cocktails, and they and what cocktails served out of a giant pineapple, which is pretty cool, by the way. <laughs> oh, that, See, that, that would in my in Tiki Talk we would have cocktails served out of pineapple. Oh, uh, this was this was a, a copper, pineapple. A copper, copper pineapple. Copper pineapple. Copper pineapple. I, Which I, you would love. I'm down for this. Oh, it's beautiful too. <laughs> uh, but this place actually takes reservations at the bar for cocktails. What's the name of this place? Because oh, I f- might have heard it's of called this before. Baldwin, it's called Baldwin's Bar. No, that's not it. Yeah, it's uh, about half an hour, 45 minutes north, north. of Boston. Uh, it's in a Szechuan Chinese restaurant that's like takeout food. <laughs> then they have an upstairs. Every- hella hipster. It's, Everything oh, about this so, sounds amazing. Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely... It, uh, is, it, is, an, it, is, an, it is an experience. Is it named after James Baldwin? I don't know. I doubt. I actually, Alec I Baldwin? don't know. Probably not Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> Billy Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Baldwin is the most attractive Baldwin brother, supposedly. That's what the internet says. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't see it. <laughs> but predominantly, you're paying for the craftsmanship and and their technique. Their technique. Well, the technique I saw there uh, was amazing. The, a lot of I think three of the bartenders have actually won awards for most creative bartender in in the country. So and, and it was amazing. It was truly phenomenal food, uh, phenomenal drinks, and it was just this combination of everything was thought out, everything was crafted from these three separate areas in the same building. It was all part of the same owners, but it was oh, the bar's reservation by itself. The Americanized sort of Chinese stuff is reservation by itself. And then there's this whole separate lounge upstairs where they have a separate food menu and separate drink menu from downstairs. It looks like a library. Interesting. It's like high-end nerdery because it's so separated and so different and so compartmentalized. It's it's one of those places that like like for Brian and I, we just loved it. There's so much to dive into. You just sit there and stare at the wall and go, "How does this work?" But it does work. Yeah, um, and I know. I mean, you in general, you're you're a classic. I'm a cl- I am you're I'm a classic a, cocktail. I'm a madman level classic cocktail person. <laughs> you're a purist. Well, I like to sell when I go into it. When I go into a bar, I like to have my standby. I'll go a little bit above it as far as you know, outside the comfort zone of cocktails, which I didn't really think there was one. And then, <laughs> if I like it or not, I'll keep going. If not, I'll go back to you know the standards, just because I know it's good, and I know it's gonna make me feel good too. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, we're, we 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 like the high test cocktails. Oh yeah. What's the, um, what's the point? 
So, I mean, stuff you, you like, I mean, Greenpoint. That's I know true. You might feel better about paying $10 for a cocktail if you get like a Manhattan or an Old Fashioned where it's like mostly booze with a couple things thrown in. Yeah, yeah. throw a cherry and a little bit of vermouth in there. I mean, it's fine. The, the Greenpoint is, I guess, the quintessential high-octane drink where, where the mixer is actually stronger than the, than the actual <laughs> alcohol. Yeah, that's some good stuff. We'll see. I we have a couple of family drink recipes. That, um, one actually, two of them are both. Uh, so I have margarita recipe and then two chocolate martini recipes. And I've ripped both chocolate martini recipes off from different bartenders. Um, and both the chocolate martini recipes are no mixer, all alcohol. Um, and they will get you effed up. Oh yeah. Like I normally let my friends judge when they're okay to drive themselves when I make drinks or, you know, if, if they're drinking my apartment, I'm like, I, you're an adult, you know, your own judgment. If I make someone my chocolate martini, I'm like, you need a designated driver. Is there any left in this last beer? We're, we're I, finishing. I killed oh, it. I'm sorry. Oh, did you, you not have it? any? No, you, I had some. It's okay. delightful. Okay. I killed this it because I had any stout that ever did stout. So yeah, we're, let's, let's talk about that for a second. So we're, I mean, we're, we're really serious good. about our hard liquor, but I'm, oh, we're yeah. serious about beer too. We did some good beer tastings today. Um, so this is this yeah, is a limited I'm, I'm digging release. Digging this one, <sighs> I have the founder's highly acclaimed KBS, a flavored stout yeah, ale K- brewed with chocolate and coffee, aged own. in oak bourbon barrels. And that's exactly what you're tasting. That is my least favorite thing when you find something you love and it's like limited edition. So limited edition. Um, I'd say for that retail, God, it was probably seven or eight dollars a bottle retail. I picture the label right now. So it comes out once a year. You can buy it for about one day in the store. And usually there's lines even here in Rochester. Um, this is by Founders out of Michigan. And it's it's delightful. It's a 11, 11 or 12 percent. Uh, it's super rich and fantastic. I really enjoy that one. Thank you uh, for sharing it with us. Of course. Yeah, of I, course. I'm honored now. Yeah, and you, I hope you enjoy it. It's um, that one's great. Um, we had a coffee stout that was local that I uh, tried at the New York Wine and Culinary Center uh, beer event a couple weeks ago. Uh, which which place that is Wagner Valley, right? Wagner Valley Brewing. Finger yep. Lakes owes its bold landscape to the powerful grinding of glaciers that covered the region long ago. It's wow. the Glacial Grind Coffee Porter. Beer with coffee added. So uh, there's a lot of people working on these coffee beers. They're, they're difficult to get right. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a place here in Rochester that's just doing coffee and beer called Fifth Frame. And they're going to be integrating coffee specifically roasted for their beers. That I'm very roasting. excited to see how that turns out. Me too. I'm, I mean, there's a lot of talent behind it. So I'm Where really are they ex- located? Uh, they're going to be in the, they're on St. Paul north of Main Street. I don't remember the building they're in, but they're in one of the newly renovated buildings up there. Isn't it the ones up near um, like Water Street? It's, it's yeah. in that area, yeah. Which I'm excited about because I think that area is kind of poised for revitalization. They have those new apartments they're putting in. And, um, you know, I used to go to Trivia at Scotland Yard a lot and... It was kind of, you know, all the clubs there closed down because of the violence. And it was really depressing to walk past all these empty storefronts with like broken glass and just trash inside. And I was like, this could be like a really cute area by the river with vibrant retail and restaurants and stuff like that. So I'm excited to see somebody moving in there and and building it back up. And I'm hoping it's a destination place, too, because I think that area needs a destination place beyond, you know, the Water Street Music Hall. Well, ever since Water Street just went downhill. And and I I think we really did need, we do need something that people want to go there. Right now, personally, there's no reason why I would go down in that area. And this is a reason I'll go down there and check it out because Mm -hmm. I want to try what they're doing because it's, creative and really up to date. I mean, there's very few places in the country doing specific coffee and beer 
and hopefully at a level that we can all be excited about. Fingers um, crossed. And it's called Fifth. Fifth Frame Brewing. Fifth frame. I think they were originally Split Batch Brewing, and then they had to change the Correct. name. Correct. They did have to change the name. Um, have but either of you been, any of you been to Bottomless Brewing on Seneca Lake? No. What, no. what are they doing? It's there? a really good one. They're in this old farm. The, it's a big, big I've heard barn. Of them, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, did, have, I tried their stuff at the New York Wine and Colony. Yeah, Center. they have some really delicious stuff. I was there in the summer, so I can't remember specific items. I think a Bohemian Pilsner I remember being really good. Mm-hmm. But this barn had burned down, and they bought the land I think really cheap, and they rebuilt it. And they have these huge like fans in there in the summertime that are like the size of an airplane hangar. Oh that, they're that big. And they have like good popcorn, really nice people, good beer. Yeah, I, I think beer is a great thing to be nerdy about right now. We have so many great oh, yeah. breweries in the area. And then I get people bring me beer from Massachusetts. Um, <laughs> who, who would that be? Who yeah, are you exactly. talking about? Um, and we, we tried one of those earlier. We tried the uh, Secret Stairs Stout from Trillium. That, that was great, good. yeah. Which is, uh, they're, they're one of the noted, um, noted beer trading uh, places right now from Trillium. Like if you have that stuff, you can trade it for a lot of different things and... I guess, you have, beer a lot to, I guess you have a lot to trade now. Yeah, I got a couple <laughs> things here in the fridge. I didn't know I was possessing such fine currency. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I think we started with we started with the the mead that Chelsea brought. Which yes, was that was um, zombie killer mead from Bee Nectar, uh, which I believe is outside of Detroit. Um, and I really like them because they do, you, you know, meat is traditionally very sweet and they mix it up and they do different type flavored meats. So they add different spices and fruits, um, and they're actually carbonated. So they're more like a, a, um, cidery type mead, but they are technically a mead, not a cider. Where can um, I buy that? So they have a couple different varieties at Wegmans. Um, I actually got this at the East Ave Wegmans and they had, um, they had the zombie killer. They had the necromancer, which I've had, in, which is very good. Um, and then they had one called the Dude's Rug, which I appreciated for the reference, although I have not tried it yet. Um, but yeah, if you ever know anyone who's ever going through the Detroit area, tell them to bring you back a couple bottles because they have some they only sell at the meadery. I had some friends who actually brought back some when we did a tasting and it was fantastic. Nice. Well, I think, I mean, the the last one for me is when it comes to beer, I've been really into the double IPAs recently, you know, the ones that are traveling. I used to hate IPAs. They're I growing could, on yeah, me. Yeah, I could not get into them, and I got, had kind of like the gateway ones. So um, the first one that I tried that I really liked was actually Genesee um, Brewhouse Pilot Batch Black IPA. Okay. Um, but that one was really high ABV and would knock you on your ass if mm-hmm. you weren't careful. Um, and then I started getting into the West Coast style red IPAs. Um, Interesting. So it, they don't make it anymore. Um, but I'm gonna forget the name of the brewery. But it was called like Green. It was called like uh, Oh Green Flash Brewery, and it was called Hophead Red. Um, and now they just call it, I think, like Red IPA. I yeah, think I know the, I I think know the one you're Pretty much about. the same one, and they just renamed it. Um, and then I started getting into like Brooklyn Defender, um, and then. Uh, the Mule Fuel from Lock 32, I think, is a really good double IPA if you're not really into IPAs. And then it was just like a switch flip. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, I like IPAs. Did I, did I become, like, more bitter as a person? And that's why I like bitter <laughs> beers now? But no, definitely not. Never. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you do, like, I think you can. It's like, you know, coffee drinks. Like, you start with the kind of sweeter ones, and then you ease your way into it. And then you're drinking coffee properly and not putting nonsense into exactly. it. Exactly. That's one of Praise my other. Praise to the chemics. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's a whole nother nerdery thing that <laughs> I don't think we're going to get into now because we're at about an hour 45. Oopsie. Um, <laughs> but, Two-parter. Yeah. We all knew this would happen. Yeah. Well, I think what we're going to do is wrap up and uh, do our final plugs. So we're going to go 
Uh, we're not. We're we're, we're going to go right to left this time. But I don't <laughs> have any plugs. I I just came up here to visit. So yeah, th- thanks <laughs> to Brian. You can just plug his stuff again. <laughs> yeah, thanks no. to Brian for bringing in some fantastic beer from from Massachusetts. Appreciate it. Next time I'll go to Treehouse and stand in line for about two hours instead of just twenty five minutes. Oh, I appreciate God. that. That'd be great. Um, Emily, what do you have? I would love if you guys all followed iHeartRock on Instagram and Twitter. We interview Rochesterians about what they love about the community. So we featured a lot of really interesting folks, and there's more good stuff to come in 2017. I like it. I'm also working for High Tech Rochester, which is moving downtown to the Sibley Building in 2017. So I'll be doing a lot of blasts on social media about that, and you can learn all about that as part of the downtown revitalization. Sounds good. I'll see you there. Excellent. And uh, Chelsea? And I'm just going to be really self-serving and plug myself. Uh, So I'm on Twitter at AKA Chela. Uh, I occasionally write um, at akachela.com. If you want to see some past stuff I've done, you can uh, check out Rochester Live, which I wrote for, um, currently on hiatus, undetermined hiatus. Uh, If you are a fan of The Onion, I have... uh, blog where i've written some rochester themed satire called the crotchesterian um (laughs) it's kind of defunct right now because it's we're kind of living in a post-satire world i'm finding it very hard to make fun of things that are already making fun of themselves um but if you ever want to check out some of my writing those are the places that you can find it and if you want to make my resume look good you can follow news 8 on facebook and twitter there you go thank you very much and uh you can find me uh food about town on facebook at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram. And if you got through all this podcast, you should definitely be subscribing on iTunes or Google Play. So, and you're our best friends. Yay. Yay, nerds. Yay. Well, everybody, thanks for stopping by. This was fun. And uh, I think we're going to go drink some more stuff. So, Woo. thanks, Chris. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Woo.